Howard from the Paloma Cigar Studios on the Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studios of Azel, Texas. Welcome to Primetime Special Edition 141. Tonight, it's our six-year anniversary, and we welcome Hendrick Kellner Jr. of the Kellner Boutique Factory as our special guest of honor. And as always, the Primetime Special Edition show sponsored by Perdomo Cigars. Awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal, the Perdomo 20th Anniversary brand has consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary blend requires tobacco. It's been carefully hand-selected and a well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo 20th Anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sun-grown, and a dark, oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combining these beautifully bourbon barrel-aged wrappers with thick, high-priming binder and fillet tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Cigars is a family-owned and operated company. They're headquartered in Miami, Florida, and they have manufactured agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo Double-Aged 12-Year Vintage, Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary Line, Perdomo Habano Bourbon Barrel-Aged, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Mensa 70 and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com. Of course, we want to mention JRE Tobacco. The authentic Cadojo leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the Golden Age of Cigars of Cuba, it was the leaf of choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars. Because it is one of the most challenging ones to cultivate, it fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamastron Valley in Honduras, Julio Aroa took on the challenge of growing Cadoa from the original seeds. And in 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic Cadoa back to the market. With over 50 years' experience in the tobacco business, from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the Jerry Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Cadoa. Now with Jerry Tobacco, Huenas and Justo brought their very own brand to market, each containing the authentic Cadoa leaf. Aladino is available in a wide variety of blends, including the latest release, the Aladino Candela, representing the golden age of cigars from 1947 to 1961. Now available at your local retailer, be sure to ask for J.R.E. Tobacco, a legacy that is tasted in every drawer. And of course, we want to mention Tobacco RSA, makers of iconic brands such as Monte Cristo, Romeo Julieta, H. Upman, and Aging Room Cigars. Tobacco RSA, great things are happening here. And, of course, we want to mention Drew Estate. Dark, bold, and unapologetic. Black and Cigars M81 by Drew Estate is an intense journey into the uncharted, deepest, darkest, and heaviest steps of Maduro tobacco. It's a masterpiece collaboration between Metallica's James Hetfield, Sweet Amber Distilling's Rob Dietrich, and Drew Estate's Jonathan Drew. The all-Maduro Black and Cigars M81 by Drew Estate is rich and powerful, but beautifully balanced, offering tantalizing notes of leather, chocolate and espresso that's perfect for both life celebrations and times of reflection you can find them at your drew diplomat retailer and remember all the live streaming for the primetime network of shows is sponsored by drew estate as well as the california studios for the primetime show on thursday nights well welcome everybody this is primetime special edition 141 today is tuesday may 2nd 2023 and it's Will Cooper. I'm on the Perdomo Cigars Black Stage here in the studio. And I'm joined cross-country by my good friend and colleague, Mr. Bear DeBlissey. Coop, good evening. Happy anniversary. You know, happy six anniversary, um, Bear. Six years. You, six years that you've put up with me. 
Um, yeah, uh, it's painful. But... It's painful. Um, you know, Bear, I just, it's been great. You know, the one thing, I, I just so, this is the one thing I'm just amazed with our team. This team has been together, like, we, we've, I know at some point someone's going to have to fly the coop, right, and, and, and go, right? All pun intended. No pun intended, because that's the name. But six years, this team has been together. I mean, everyone who's come in is just, it's been an incredible, and we're, re- that's a big accomplishment, I think, of the camaraderie of this team we've had, and obviously the partnership you and I've had on this Tuesday night show. It's amazing. It, it, it is amazing that we've been able to do that. I mean, I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty loyal. So I, yeah. I, I figure you're going to have to fire me at this point. <laughs> there's no, so, no, it's a, it's a, you know, um, it, there's no firing. <laughs> it's uh, I, either that or, you know, I, either that or I'll just piss, uh, I'll piss Nielsen or, or Ben off enough to where they'll just, you know, you know, put me out of my misery. I'm not sure which one it is, but I'm so grateful to be here with you tonight. Yeah. Um, yeah. I am donning the, uh, beautiful uh, black cigar coupe t-shirt and this is a showing of how much affection that I have for you because I hate black I hate wearing black uh, why but, did everyone uh, want black you so you were outvoted on the black shirts the polo shirts yes then okay yes I didn't want black polo shirts either I thought everyone else wanted them no it's okay okay so so we will have another color next year so yeah the, everyone wanted black this year because I thought you were in that group so I apologize so, um, no, but it's a, it's a term of, it's, 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 an, it's endearing. It's a term of affection for you, showing you how much I care about you. Yeah. I'm really excited for what the, what the next six brings. Uh, and, uh, I'm just, it's, it's been, it's been a hell of a ride, man. I've enjoyed every moment of it. So thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the, thank you for being a part of it and the opportunity to work with you as well. Um, and, uh, you know, the next time we do this six years later, I'm actually going to have a six in front of my age so um so it's hopefully hopefully i make it there um but yeah no i mean we'll and i know we're gonna towards the end of the show we'll go through some of the some of the highlights that we've had um but you know bear the one thing that i think we've always tried to do with the anniversary shows no matter which show we're doing is we try to bring in either someone new or a unique combination of people or just something a little more unique, right? Or mm-hmm. a big, or a bit, you know, something that you know. And we've tended to do that on on all the shows, and uh, it's great. But and and tonight, I think you and I, we've been wanting. Probably this is some. This is a real honor because this person doesn't do a lot of shows, and um, he's he. We 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 got him tonight here. So Bear, I'm I'm really excited tonight. I'm I'm I'm. Absolutely thrilled. I'm so I'm so I'm I'm elated, man. I was I'm I'm excited. So let's let's do formal introductions here. Let's yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn it to you to do the intro tonight on this one because I know uh, yeah because I tend to always do it and I I think you you should do this one tonight. Well, without further ado, it's a it's it's our pleasure, it's our privilege, and it's our honor to introduce uh, tonight's special guest to celebrate six years of Cigar Coop Primetime Special Edition. Representing Kellner Boutique Factory, Mr. Hendrick Kellner Jr. Hendrick, welcome to Primetime. Hey guys, uh, Coop Bear, um, hello from Dominican Republic, and thank you for having me in your show. So yeah, we're here. Let's go. Ab- uh, absolutely, absolutely. And you know, I, I think we were just talking in the green room. Um, we've seen each other. I know we get busy when we're at trade shows or. 
uh, pro cigars, and we've never had a chance to talk. So I think we're excited about the opportunity to talk tonight uh, for sure, get to know you a little better. Uh, yeah, likewise. Uh, I mean, I've seen uh, your show. I've seen people talk about your show a lot. So I'm, uh, like I said, I'm honored to be here. I'm happy to to participate in in this uh, in this great show. So thank you for having me. We're honored. We're honored as well. Um, we're honored as well. So, um, you know, so one thing we do, Hendrik, that's a little different. Um, before we kind of light up our, or at least before Barrett and I light up our cigars, I'm Barrett. Well, I have. Yeah. Are, are you? Are we doing the thing right? Yes. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. So I was just going to, I'm going to throw it to you, but we usually have our guests pick what bear cigar is. Um, That's been a tradition, probably going back to the first or second year of the show. Um, So I'm going to turn it over to bear and he's going to give, I think you already know a couple of the selections he's got. So uh, bear, turn it over and uh, see, see what it is. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, So Hendrik, like he said, uh, the tradition we've kind of developed on this show is just like, um, an opportunity to uh, for my guests to, to honor me and pick my cigar that I'm going to smoke. Uh, the great news is I've got two cigars for you to choose from. Uh, the great news is I think you love both of them. Actually, I know you love both of them and uh, for different reasons. And uh, and we're going to talk about both of these, I'm sure, at some point tonight. But um, I happen to enjoy really uh, both of these as well. So I'm going to let you bestow the honor upon me. So I have um, I usually actually do keep a box of these on hand. I am a huge fan of the cigar. Um, and it's the uh, cigar that you're very familiar with, which is the smoking uh, jacket uh, hanky. So I've got some oh, yeah. left in here. <laughs> and then I also have a uh, cigar that you've that you do, that you've done and manufactured for United Cigars. Again, that we'll be speaking about later tonight, the Red Anchor. Um, so what cigar would you like me to smoke or start off my evening smoking tonight? All right, Bear. Uh, well, first, both are great cigars, great choices. Of course, uh, the Hanky is a cigar that is uh, very special to me uh, because it's a blend that I created in honor um, of my father uh, using the tobaccos that we like and uh, in, in the proportions that we like. So I'm very proud of that cigar. And uh, uh, it's one of my favorites for sure. Um, but I believe that despite that tonight, since we're all smoking the same thing, uh, Coop, uh, me, and you, we should go uh, tonight with a with a red anchor and save the hankies for a, another show. <laughs> All right, good. There we go. That's good. There we go. There I might go. I might I, I might finish this one and then I might I might dabble in there, but I will start with the red anchor. Thank you, Hendrik. I appreciate that very much. Absolutely, I'm looking forward to this as well. And I know we're going to be talking about this. There's a lot of history with this cigar, and Bear and I are big history fans. So, um, but what we want to do, Hendrik, is we always like to kind of start at the beginning. Now, this question, I think it's I'm kind of curious what the answer is going to be. But we tend to, when we when we have a guest on for the first time, we always ask this as the opening question. But given you come from a cigar family, it I don't know, maybe obvious, but 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 I'll ask it and you could just tell me if there's a good story or not behind it. Um, what was your first experience when you lit up a cigar? Like, can you t- do you remember it and can you talk about it? Uh, yes, of course, you want the truth. Um, <laughs> coming from a tobacco family uh, or a cigar family, you know, my dad had factories since I was 12. Uh, he started in 84. I was actually 11. So the first cigar, I can tell you a nice story that this, this and that. But the first cigar was uh, at a New Year's Eve party. 
uh, and we just took some cigars, a bunch of kids, and ran away into a dark room and lighted up and all got dizzy. So that's probably my first cigar uh, back in the 80s or late 80s. Uh, so it's nothing special about that. Just, you know, as a kid, you know, trying with your cousins, this and that. So that's, that's probably our, my first experience uh, with a cigar. And later on, of course, we told our dad, uh, we did this, we did that. He said, oh, no, no, you got to do it right. You know, I'll show you later when you're a bit older. Um, but that's probably my first experience. I must have been, I don't know, 14, 15, something like that. Oh, wow. Okay. So if it was 1984, Hedrick, that means... Uh, I know my dad I'm... started uh, his company, Tavadom, in 1984. Uh, okay. I was 11, but that was not uh, I, that was not the year I smoked my first cigar. No. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Because okay. I was thinking about it was the year was the, the was the first cigar that you smoked was it uh, Cuban tobacco or Dominican tobacco? Do you even remember? Oh uh, no 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 we in Dominican we never used Cuban tobacco we used Cuban seed grown in Dominican. Gotcha. Uh, but no uh, Cuban tobacco it's uh, used in Cuba, and uh, we do have a lot of Cuban seeds seeds that came from cuba and adapted to the weather in dominican republic like piloto cubano san vicente those are cuban origin seeds that are are used in dominican republic but we don't use any cuban tobacco uh there's no need for that also because of the embargo with the u.s uh you cannot then export cigars to the u.s right. so we don't use any cuban tobaccos now gotcha got it got it but you grew up around tobacco um, and you grew up, like you said, your, your, your father had Tabanon on and you, your family was involved in so many aspects of the cigar business, whether it's, you know, production, uh, growing, uh, you know, brands. So you were around this whole, you were around this whole operation growing up, I assume, correct? That is correct. Uh, since, uh, my dad did Tabadom in 1984. Of course, back then there was no David of nothing. Right. Abo, Abo came years later and Griffins as well. Uh, but then uh, at that time, we were just doing other brands uh, uh, for other customers. But I already worked there in the summer times, uh, part time in the summer times. Of course, I was a, a kid, a minor, yep. but I would work in the packing, uh, in the storage rooms. And later on, they had me move all over the place. So I would learn the business. Uh, even my dad had me translating uh, books uh, from English to, to Spanish. And then I, I would translate a whole huge book, you know, of tobacco history, tobacco this and that. And then you find out that that same book is in Spanish. So I go, what? Dad, look, it's in Spanish. And he go, yeah, yeah, but you did a good job. You know, thank you. So the, <laughs> the whole idea was that, that I would learn, not that I would translate. That was just the excuse. I was, Bear and I were at the Davidoff factory a few years ago, and I, I forget what it was, but I kind of snuck off. I forget what, Bear, you were doing something, I snuck off, and I, I wound up in your dad's office. No, you left, Bear, it's, it's fine. Yeah, yeah I cool. left Bear, basically. I ended up in your dad's office, and he was so proud of, the, of his, like, library of books he had in there. I remember he was just showing me these books, like, left and right, and it was, it was amazing. Uh, yeah, well, books, you know, he's from... Uh another era where people read books, Red book. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh, he had, a even in, in, in our house, he had a, well, he had a library in the house. Yeah. So he's a, he's an industrial engineer who has read a lot. And that's his why. And plus he's extremely talented. That's why he's such a special man uh, in, in as far as tobacco and knowledge. 
he just read everything and he's uh, trained in a way that many people were not trained. Um, so, uh, yeah, even my dad, when he was younger, he would work in a cigarette company and he was trained to taste uh, the different uh, elements on cigarettes. And all that knowledge and all that training he took with him uh, for the cigar factory for Tavadam. Right. And that's one of, one of the reasons why his palate is so developed. Oh, it's a yeah. I mean, you sit through one of his blending oh, wow. sessions. It's an amazing experience, as as you know. You know. Did Did you get involved at all? On like, because he worked on everything. I, I assume you would not just involve the factory, but on the farm end of things as well, on the agricultural piece. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, I'm not an agricultural engineer, but I mm -hmm. did work in the farms a lot. Yeah. They had me. They had me go with agronomist. You know, do this, do that, and they had me also go to. Ecuador to buy tobacco from ASP, okay. go to Nicaragua, buy tobacco from the Plasencias, work with the agronomists. So they, they really trained me. Uh, so I would, you know, learn uh, from all the stages, uh, all the areas of, of tobacco and cigars. Uh, and at the end, that was a great training for me. And of course, uh, nowadays, I don't do much agronomy. Right. Because uh, my sister, Monica, grows tobacco for me. And I also have some tobacco uh, from my dad's farm mm -hmm. uh, that I use in my factory. But the knowledge, you know, it helps. It helps to know where all comes from and how it's, how it's made. Right. Right. Oh, Jeff. Good. Good there. I'm sorry. Did you work at all with, uh, with Eladio Diaz? Uh, I know he, was, he came from the rolling <laughs> side, manufacturing side of it. Um, uh, well, well off. Of, I shared the office with Eladio for like 20 years. Same <laughs> office. <laughs> So, so, you, yeah. so, yes, you did work with them. <laughs> yes, what? yes, yes. But when you are with someone like Eladio or Peralta, the agronomist, you do not learn by asking questions. <laughs> you learn by sitting next to them and asking no questions. Just be there, see there, see what they do, smoke what they smoke, comment, listen more than talk. And through the years, then you, you learn something. Yeah, that's for sure. That's uh, I bet. When you, got, you go ahead, Bear. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So you, you, we've talked about three incredible people that influenced, obviously influenced your life in in the world of tobacco, Hendrick. Your father, obviously, Eladio and Peralta. What um, between those three, I'm not gonna say who you learned more from or anything like that. But what was the what was the what was the most dif difficult area of expertise or style of learning? Uh, for you between those three? Uh, well, uh, let's see. The agronomy part with Peralta, you never fully learn. You just try to understand a little bit. And then uh, blending is so, so complex. Uh, and making a great cigar, you know, even if you have a lot of tobacco, that's so complex. And that takes such a long time. And you also need passion and, and, and knowledge and this and that. And that was always... Um, uh, something that, you know, that kept me um, on my toes, like trying to understand, trying to learn, and also understanding that tobacco uh, changes every year. Uh, one crop is different than the crop next year. Even if you plant tobacco in the same field with the same seed, a year is different. Uh, let's say one crop year is different than another crop year. And you need to know that and consider that when you're gonna do the blends for, for, the, for the cigars in the future. 
So those were some of the things that even today keep me, you know, like uh, alert uh, and uh, concerned about how you do it and how you should, you know, plan and how careful you have to be. Wonderful. When so when you got out of school, did you go right to work uh, at Tabadon, or did you do something else? Uh, well, let's see. Uh, high school, I finished, and I did one year of high school in the U.S. Then I came here, uh, Santiago, Dominican Republic, to study uh, business, and I worked part time in Tabadon, mm -hmm. uh, part time. And then when I graduated from college, that would have been uh, 1997. Then I started working uh, full time at, at Tabadon. Yes. Okay. Okay. So you 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 so you've been so basically you've been in tobacco since you know your whole almost your yeah. whole life here. Oh yeah, in the yeah. good times, in the bad times, in the not so great times, in the boom times, we've we've always been here. It's it's yep. what we do. Yeah. Yep. And then just just so I guess some of our audience who may not just so that we can level set some of the odds. Tabadam was where Dav Davidoff found Tabadam, and they started working with your dad to develop cigars after they had their previous problems with, with Cuban cigars. Yeah. So they kind of, that's how that partnership kind of started. Uh, yes, uh, of course, I don't, I don't like talking too much about that, but yes, they, uh, uh, the people from Davidoff, a Swiss company, uh, were looking for a company so where they could make their cigars and, uh, you know, the Cubans were up and down in quality, great quality, yep. regular, bad. Yep. And also they could not sell in the U.S. because of the embargo. Right. So uh, actually they were looking for a factory in Dominican Republic where they could become the number one brand. So a factory not huge enough, uh, so they will not be number one, uh, but not small enough because they needed a lot of tobacco. Uh, and actually it was by... They heard of my of my dad, but it was by chance that they met him in an elevator, and they say, "Oh, we heard about you. You know, we want to talk to you," and uh, it was coincidence actually. And uh, of course, uh, they met and they went to the factory and uh, did some blends, and the rest is, is history. But then you spent a long time at Tabadam, right? I want to say you spent about fifteen years there or so. Is that uh, a tw twenty years? Twenty years. Okay, that's a long. So you were there for a long time. Yeah. Uh, from 18 to 38. I was oh, there. wow. You, yeah. you look so much. I'm not just saying because you look so much younger than. than oh, I think, I'm not. I, I think you're close to my age, actually, which is kind of scary. Yeah. Look, no, I'm 49 now. But okay. It's, it's all dark in here. Uh, there's yeah. no lights. So no, I, you, I look, you, look, <laughs> you look really good for your age. <laughs> so at Tom and I'm, you kind of mentioned you were doing a lot of everything basically when you were there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, since uh, you are the son of the boss, uh -huh. uh, they, ha they had me move everywhere. I was mostly in the packing, uh, quality control, uh, talking to the press and just moving all over. Mm -hmm. My official title was uh, the administrator of the, of the David factory as a factory. Uh -huh. But I had an assistant that did, you know, all the administrative work. Right, right. And I was I was more in charge of quality and uh, packing quality and talking to to the press. And I also had time to work with the Ladio and the blends and this right. and that and participate and time to go to Ecuador to buy tobacco. So I had a, an overall experience, I, I, I have to say. Well, no, it's, it's, a, it's a good thing. It's, it's, yeah, we worked with your dad for a long time, which. Uh, 
Yeah. I uh, worked with thing, my dad for one summer and it was tough. So I could just say that. <laughs> it, it is tough. Uh, it yeah. is tough because when you work with your dad, when you do something good, oh, that's because you're, you're a son of your dad. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you do something bad, oh, no, that's right. because yeah, that's all right. You're the son of your of the boss. So, yep. so it, it's tricky, though. Uh, and this is one of the reasons also uh, that I, I decided to do my own factory when I was still young enough uh-huh. uh, uh, to get credit uh, for myself and uh, to do the things that I knew I could do uh, if I was independent. And uh, at, at the time, might might seem like a crazy move to leave a, a safe job uh, where you are paid all right, good money, not great, but good. Right. Uh, save with your dad as the boss and uh, nothing wrong can go with you uh, and take the decision to leave it all behind and make your own factory and take the big risk of failure. Uh, it was a tough decision, but for me, it was uh, not a chance. I mean, it was no doubt that I had to do it. Also, by the time I took the decision, uh, my dad has, had already sold his shares of the company. So he was no longer. Uh, one of the owners, he was right. an employee. Sure. And so then I'm not, you know, I'm also next in line as an employee. Uh, so there's nothing uh, that I can leave my kids uh, uh, there, you know? So that's totally. why uh, I did KVF, uh, a factory where I could, you know, take all the knowledge that I had as the youth. Uh, and, you know, with uh, some of my dad's help, uh, start making blends and start making brands. So that's the how KBF began. No, factory. and what, what when KBF formed was it 2013? Uh, actually, 2012 July. Okay, okay. But so, we were mostly doing samples then. Sure. So basically, 2013 we really okay. started. Yeah. Yep. So you've been doing this. It's this is a factor. It's been around for a while. I knew it was a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Just celebrated ten years. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The only yeah, thing about about KBF different than other factories is that we focus on quality, not quantity. And this is not, I'm not just saying, I mean, I'm really doing it. Uh, I figured to have control of the quality, to have control of what I do, to keep using special tobaccos, I cannot be huge. And uh, also I sacrifice traveling to the US uh, to promote whatever brands. Uh, instead, I'm in the factory. I'm in inside the factory. I'm not out there, you know, telling a story. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not out there selling myself. I'm basically very much comfortable and happy inside the factory. And this is uh, also why uh, uh, my brand uh, that you heard, and you even wonder if it's, you know, uh, still going, uh, Smoking Jacket, uh, it's, it's a brand that I, I have it just to say I have it. And I have uh, Castagli sells that in Europe, and it does fine. And in the U.S., it's it's sold through Davidoff uh, because of the good relations that I have with them. And uh, so they offer it. It's not that it's everywhere. They offer it. But for me, the most important is to do the private labels like, uh, you know, Red Anchor, Principal Cigars, uh, Castagli. Focus on that and have just my brand something that exists there until the time that I decide to push it, uh, which is uh, not yet, you know. 
So that's uh, kind of maybe that's too many things in. No, no, no. I love good. the I love the stuff. I love the stuff we do with you do with Darren. Darren. At oh, that's a, oh, some, I had, some, some good stuff. I spoke to one of them in Cuba. He gave me one of those. I was in Cuba, and I what? met Darren, and he gave me one of those cigars in Cuba. Okay. Oh, yeah, wow. it was, I remember <laughs> where I was exactly when I had it was. A, and it was a great cigar. I mean, he told me where it was being made. Yeah. 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 I'm. I'm very. One of the things that for me is most satisfying about having a factory independent is the fact that you can work with people and you can talk to people and uh, you know you you relate to people and, and you interpret what they want and put that into cigars uh that's all that's very challenging but that's very satisfying uh, as well so working with people you know like uh oliver from united darren principal cigars jeremy castagli from castagli cigars and many others uh it's it's very uh, it, it it is challenging but it's also a pleasure for me to do that sure sure no i i agree when you know when you open this Actually, factor, go ahead. I'm sorry, Bear. I'm sorry. Just I just want to go back before we go sure. too much no, no further. I, want, I wanted to go back to how you like manufacturing at a boutique level, Hendrick. You were talking about why you like to keep it small and everything, but you also you obviously have the knowledge and the background to to know what it takes to scale, you know, to larger oh, yeah. production. So, um, if if say someone you said you love helping other brands. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm interested if, if someone, if someone said, came to you and said, Hey, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to, I want to scale a factory, um, not yours, but I want to scale a factory. Would, would you be willing to help someone do that on manufacturing, on the manufacturing side because of your like vast a, knowledge and experience? Like an, another factory that's not mine? Help, help. Yeah. Is that what, yeah. Well, the, the thing is, I, I don't have the time for that because okay. I'm consumed hundred percent in my factory. I mean, I, I smoke all the cigars in the production every day. Oh, let me see how is this? Is this change? Uh, is this a new cigar? Let me try it. So I'm 100% uh, working uh, with KVF. Uh, even uh, like uh, I also, and it's, it is my mistake. I, I rarely smoke cigars from other factories, not because I don't like them, but because I need to save my palate capacity for my cigars. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, sometimes uh, people give you a cigar, sometimes it's great, but sometimes it's terrible. And then that really ruins your palate. And then I cannot work in the cigars that I need to, yeah. to be testing. So uh, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm saving all, all my efforts now uh, for KBF. I do have a son now that is uh, 20 years old, uh, 21 soon, and he's in college. So whenever he graduates and he can help me, then I can... Uh, have uh, somebody that I can trust that, and I can expand uh, a little bit more, probably. Yeah. When you open KBF, right? You, the name's very. This, you, you use that word boutique in there, and that's like you were saying. That was your mantra from the very beginning. That's what you were yes. trying yes, to yes, do. Yes, yes, but you, yes, you, yes, yes. But you could have. You know, look. You could. Your name is is very big in this industry you could have easily gone another route but you you chose to go this this route with the boutique route and you've stuck with it now almost 11 years yeah and it's a real boutique yeah uh, like it really uh, it's not like a boutique like with 50 pairs like some people that call yeah yeah and they're huge this is truly a boutique in terms of uh yeah. the volume that we make how uh, many pairs are you working with no we have four pairs uh, wow. uh which is four hundred thousand oh, wow. cigars a year 
Wow. Oh, wow. But that is the, that is the way that I can guarantee quality in my cigars. Yep. And of course, I can, I can add a supervisor here, supervisor there. And I might do that in the future. Actually, I've been uh, even life threats from some of my customers. Like, if you don't make more cigars, I'm going to kill you. Oh my god! <laughs> well, not not that hey, drastic. But sounds like they need to bad, smoke. Yeah. It sounds like they need to smoke more of your cigars and relax yeah. a little bit. <laughs> and then I, and for me, it's actually disappointing when mm. I cannot give them more. But in order to ensure the quality, I need to keep it at a certain level for now. And yeah. uh, also, it's been a boom, you know, the last few years, uh, which means there's no rollers. So what I'm going to do? I'm going to steal rollers? Of course not. Sure. So. I need to uh, wait until this calms down, which is calming down already, and then there'll be more rollers available, and uh, and then you can you know grow a little bit more. And I we always want to grow a bit more, and we have grown uh, through the last years a bit more, a bit more. Uh, but I'm I'm happy where I'm at. Um, I love to just come to my house and you know be with my family. Like now I'm in my house, uh, you know see my kids grow uh be part of the family don't have the pressure uh that maybe a bigger factory will will take on me so i'm i'm very happy like this and i understand i need to grow a little bit more but i'm i, I cannot say i'm not happy i'm very happy at this level you know, Hendrick, 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 i keep doing this to you coop i'm no, sorry you're good you're good we, we we're good it's like it's like we haven't been doing this for six years i know exactly um, <laughs> sorry about that uh yeah i'm just I was listening. I actually listened to an interview that you did, and, and and forgive me, it was a long time ago. It was back in 2015. But you were talking about how you, when you started, um, and you were talking about, you know, Coop mentioned the the name of the Kellner name and how the influence yeah. that it 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 has in this industry, and uh, and the power it is. But you you were very specific in yes, it's on the name of your factory. But when you created Smoking Jacket, you did not want your you did not want the name on there. It, you, yes, it was, that was yes. a very specific decision. Yeah, yeah. And let me go over that again. Uh, my factory, the name is KBF. This, it, and you can interpret as Kellner Boutique Factory, but it's not. It's KBF, which oh, okay. means means. Uh, on it's understandable that it means KBF, but officially, I don't use the name Kellner every anywhere. And there was the Kellner oh. brand that I never, never used because I thought that was my dad's. Uh, and also there's many more Kellners. I have cousins, I have uncles that are Kellner. And I don't want to use that huge history, uh, such an important name for me, for just me. Uh, so if it's a collaboration of the whole family uh, and we all agree on something in honor of my dad, maybe, then we can use I think that's the right way to use Kellner. Uh, but for me, such an important name, such an important tradition that I'm very careful uh, not to take advantage of or even use it. Uh, I, don't, I think you, you, got, you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, no, oh, I absolutely. Hear, I hear you. Yeah, I, I just looked at the, the, uh, the seal that you use on your box. And yes, K, uh -huh. KBF. Yeah. KBF. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah so. and, and it is. And many people, you know, say Kellner. And it is. And I use it sometimes. But uh, legally, it's just KBF, KBF okay. which stands for Kellner Boutique Factory, but it's, it's not implicit there. So uh, instead of that, I used uh, as a brand, uh, Smoking Jacket. So why Smoking Jacket? Well, yeah, I was going to ask uh, you that. Yep. 
at the time I thought it was a name that somebody, and I still think so, a name that somebody can relate to, that it doesn't belong to anybody, is a garment uh, associated with the elegance of smoking uh, that was used in clubs, you know, uh, years, uh, decades ago, maybe a hundred years ago. And this, this is a symbol of elegance and a symbol of uh, that, you know, something that is related to the art of smoking and anybody can, you know, relate or you know, have a smoking jacket. Um, and for me, it's just elegance and something that will not offend anybody. So I, I chose that uh, as the name of the brand. Yeah, it's a, it's a, uh, I love the, I love that story behind it too. Um, you know, just relating it to the elegance of, uh, it's kind of like the one item I'd love to have as a, uh, as a cigar. The, lo the logo is very elegant too. It is. You know, it's very simple. It's, it's yeah, it's, uh, yeah, the logo is just the lapel uh, for mm -hmm. the smoking jacket. Yeah, and you know, my, the, what I like about the logo is that um, you don't know what it is. You think it's a bird, a why, but once you know what it is, then you cannot stop looking at it. Uh, you know, yeah, so it's, it's you can't unsee I mean, it. Yeah, yeah, you see it after you know. Oh, it, it's there. Yeah, uh, it's maybe too simple, but you know, I, I like it like that. I think this the cigar should you know tell the story, not not so much you know the, the packing and all that. I uh, I definitely agree with you. You know, when you mentioned when I mentioned to you at the start of the show, um, if smoking jacket was still being made, it wasn't meant to be. I, I apologize if it came up the wrong way, but I want to explain why no, I asked no. that question. Yeah, I want to explain why I asked that question. You know, a lot of times because you do operate a boutique factory, and you just can't. Everything's going to be small batch, and sometimes things yeah. are going to have production's going to have to maybe go on the side for a while so i just wanted to let you know that's why i asked that question i just didn't yeah, want to yeah. assume it you know because i knew you weren't doing a, a lot you're not doing mass production of things no 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 and of course i'm i'm you know i'm happy like for example in the in europe is jeremy castagli and he sells it uh and in the u.s is through davidoff mm -hmm. uh and you know they don't push it or anything and i don't expect yeah. that I, I never have expected that but it's there if somebody wants it they can ask you know uh, yep so I'm fine with that. So I can focus on making cigars uh, and not worried about, oh, am I going to get paid from this or that? Uh, also, uh, in my factory, most important is private labels. You know, uh, most important is, yep. you know, United, uh, Red Anchor, uh, Darren with Principal, Jeremy. with That's the most, that's what I do first. Yep. Then when I have a chance, I do mine. Uh, you don't, you don't hear that. You don't, you don't hear that, hear that a lot, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I, yeah, everybody will put yeah. this first, of course. Right. But then again, I'm not out there pushing, promoting. So uh, yeah. I just, you know, let it be for those who, who want it, for, for those who find it interested, interesting, they can get it. But I'm not there out there pushing it. I'm never. Who's the biggest market for your for smoking jacket, Hendrik? Is it the United States or is it Europe? Uh, it's difficult to say. Uh, I, I sell more in Europe. But as, as a one country, I, I have to say it's the U.S. as right. a one country. Yeah. You and you created Smoking Jacket. You create you didn't create it right away, but it was still created very early on. Yes, yes. It, yeah. it was in the, yeah, the first year. Yeah. And the, the idea behind Smoking Jacket is that uh, uh, the classic line, uh, each size, each bitola had a 
different personality depending on the size. Mm -hmm. So the Corona will not be exactly the same as the Robusto or the Churchill or the short Robusto. They will have a different blend slightly that fits the size of the cigar. So it's not like, for example, you do one blend and you love it and you make that blend in the Robusto. But then when you try the same blend in the Corona, then, oh, maybe it's a bit stronger or more aggressive. And then when you smoke it on the Churchill, oh, it's too mild because you use exactly the same proportions for different sizes. So what I did is I, I adjusted the proportions and some of the tobaccos for the different Bitolas. And that's why each, each, um, each Bitola of smoking jacket is, is very unique. I, I, and, and I like and that. And it is distinctive, yeah. yeah and then the, then the Hanky was a different story. The Hanky, I wanted to do something that I honors my dad. And I used uh, some of the tobaccos that we worked in Tavadom, plus one tobacco that he lost uh, from Condega. And I put that there and I just made two blends, uh, two different blends. And I called my dad one day, I'm not going to make this difficult, you know, just one A or B, choose one. And that's going to be your cigar. So yeah, he chose one, the one that actually I like more. And then, uh, then we did the hanky. And you use that wrapper that was grown from your sister on that cigar, right? Yeah, from from Kotui. Yeah, Kotui, yeah, uh -huh. yeah. Kotui, so it's, it's a, a very big... special area, Kotui, yeah. and uh, the tobacco it has a distinctive taste and it burns mm. uh, very well. And uh, there's not many farms in Kotui because it's uh, it's now used in in um, how do you call that um, mining? Yeah, mining. Uh, so there's not a lot of land available. But also there's some tobaccos from the Monte Plata region. That's what I was going to ask about the binders, yeah. Monte Plata, right? Monte yeah. Plata, yeah. And the Monte uh, mm -hmm. Oh, I was just going to say that that's 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 unique as well. I don't you don't see that very often. Monte Plata is uh, very unique. Um, but also Monte Plata is in an area that is very close to other tobaccos that are also very well known. But uh, we like to call it Monte Plata to keep it uh, with a different name. Yeah, I was gonna mention that the the hanky and uh, the saga short tails too are the are the two cigars that use that wrapper, and yes. I, there's uh -huh. just something about that. And I love both those cigars, and it's just yeah. something so good about that uh -huh. wrapper. It's so unique. Uh, I'm glad it you've had a chance. Yeah, yeah. It, it's the, just, the the only thing is that uh, that wrapper is sun grown, so it's a lot of taste, but it's not a beautiful wrapper like some Ecuadorian wrappers. But you have to sacrifice uh, beauty for taste sometimes. Yeah. Especially in cigars. I, I get so, it. Yeah. 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 So you you wish it was more beautiful, but uh, then you don't get that special taste. Yep. So you have to just manage, you know. Now, yep. now I'm looking at the wrapper. So <laughs> it, it's not terrible. I mean, it's, it's, but I yeah. understand what he's saying. I understand no, what he's saying. Yeah. I, I like yeah, to it's... say the, the best ones for, yeah. for the hanky. Uh, but uh, yeah, normally it's. Uh, I try to use it on smaller cigars. It's easier. The the other thing that's unique about this Toro Vitola from the Hanky too is yeah. another something you don't see. Like it's it's six inches in length, yes, but the ring gauge, it, I believe, it's listed at fifty one. Is that correct? Uh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was originally fifty one. Uh, um, blame the mold manufacturer for that. <laughs> so, <laughs> no the thing is uh, we made some molds that were supposed to be 50 and then they became 51 so 
Oh <laughs> man, that's might funny. Might say the truth that is it is actually. Oh okay. Oh, it's one of those like blunders or something. That's cool. Like, I was just like, man, er- I was uh, when I, I remember when the first came out. I remember smoking. I've I've, I've enjoyed them for years. Like I mentioned earlier. And I remember just like everything that we've talked about so far, just like how unique the blend was, just how unique the flavor was. And I'm like, even the size, like, okay, six inches, yeah. you know, Toro is six inches, but like the 51 gauge, it's just so. Yeah. No, like nobody uses 51. Like what yeah. the hell is that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no yeah. Like... But it's, it's one of the things in production, you know, you smoke so many cigars and your supervisor brings you a cigar. You go, what, is this a 50? Yeah. Yeah. It's not a 50. Uh, try the 52 no it's not 52 damn 51 yeah it is okay call it 51 <laughs> so that's that's what it is <laughs> i like that that's funny no i like that and in you in, in this factory you've had um like your dad has had his formula for years in terms of what he's done with with blends and stuff like that and but you've been able to kind of branch in explore a lot of other different tobaccos now you know this has given you a great opportunity are there some tobaccos that you've been kind of really enjoyed working with over over these years mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh, one of the things uh coming from a huge factory like where i come from in the past from Tavalum, uh you had a, a huge amount of many tobaccos uh that were exclusive to that factory so as a blender then you have to uh, you know be have an open mind and know that you're gonna get some of those tobacco but not all and then you have to incorporate in your knowledge of blending other tobaccos that you've never worked with. Uh, so that was, and, and that, that was the difficult part, you know, knowing that you don't have the huge kitchen anymore and you need to really uh, use all your talents, all your knowledge and all your effort uh, to create great blends with different tobaccos. Uh, so then you, you start off making your own path or your own style of blending your own uh, distinctive taste uh, with the tobaccos that you can get and the tobaccos that uh, your family can get you uh, and the knowledge that you have from the past, uh, then you start making your own blends. And uh, yes, because I'm a small factory, I was able to get uh, with the relations that I have with some suppliers, tobacco suppliers, some experimental tobaccos that for me would be years and for a big company will be a month, you know? Right. So they wouldn't sell that to a big company that will sell that to me. And some of those tobaccos were very, very special. And I use it in certain blends. And uh, I mean, they last years with my production capacity. Right, um, right. And also there's some tobaccos like Peruvian Pelo de Oro uh, that we got from ASP. Uh, your family, you know, uh, the Monte Plata tobacco, the Cotui tobacco. And some other, even experimental tobaccos, like I said, uh, from the Institute or, or from other companies that they do uh, different seeds, see how it works. And then it's, it's not huge to offer to a big company, they offer it to you. And then you have something really special that you can offer to your, to your, uh, your, your clients. And, and that's also makes it very interesting uh, uh, for KBF to be able to use those tobaccos. Uh, in certain some some of the bitolas, some of the cigars. That's a, that's a, you know I, when you're saying that about the some of these limited tobaccos that you know I didn't when you say yeah you could stretch it out longer I didn't kind of think of that till you just said that mm-hmm. it does make some sense you know if someone wants to you know yeah yeah t- yeah it makes some sense there especially for limited editions yeah for, for you know like a certain size 
let's say uh, the Casdagli Gran Cafe has one unique tobacco uh, and it's only for that. And the principal cigars, Cochon uh, Bolan has one unique tobacco uh, and it's only for that one. Uh, right. And it, it will last uh, decades only on those two, you know, right. for example. Right. In your factory, do you do you do all the pre-industry stuff, the fermentation and everything there too, or do you do that? Do you work with other people with that? Uh, I buy tobacco that is already fermented and okay. aged uh, from suppliers, but I do an extra fermentation for some tobaccos in my factory. Okay. Yes, okay. Uh, those that need a bit of a touch, some wrappers that need uh, mm-hmm. a little bit of a pile, uh, and also um, some of the fillers that I buy. Uh, from some suppliers, I know I need to age them. So I would buy them and not use them for years, maybe yeah. three, four years, and they're there. So that's, um, so if you see me uh, in my factory, one of the things that you notice when you see uh, KBF is the huge amount of tobacco. And uh, that's because all that I've made, all that I've uh, gotten out of selling cigars, I uh, I don't spend it. I invest it in tobacco and I just let it sit there. If you see me, uh, what I drive, you say, man, this guy, it's an old car, you know, from the nineties. What is that? Are you, are you in problem? They say, no, no, no. I just invest everything in tobacco. Right. And I don't know. I don't mind, you know, driving an old junk. uh, Even if people look at you funny, like what is that? It's that not really old, old Hendrick. It's a classic. classic. <laughs> it's a classic. Yeah. My, that's what my yeah. dad would have said. My dad would say that. Exactly. My dad was a car buff and he would say that. Yes. Barry, you nailed it with that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, Hendrick, I was down at Julio Aroa's farm in, in Honduras. He's driving a car from the nineties as well around that farm. Yeah. So yeah, he, you're not the only one is what I'm saying. And he said the same thing pretty much to me. He's like, hey, what do I need a fancy car I, for? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it takes you from A to B. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, if, if I wanted, I could get a new one, but why? That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> I I'd rather invest in tobacco, and, you know, and yeah. see all the tobacco. There, I say, oh yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's make some cigars now. <laughs> nice. That's be- I like that. So we're smoking this red anchor, um, and this, you know, bear not bear more than me. We're both very historical buffs, um when it comes to the cigar industry, Bear's just a historical buff in general. And I remember getting this, I remember when Oliver told us about this project, a brand from 1772 uh, right. that they were bringing back. And, and, and Bear, what was your reaction when you heard that? Because I think we both had the same reaction on this. Well, I mean, I was just, I was, I was really excited to, it was it's you know we were just talking about not old but classic right yeah like I, it, was, it was it's very it was very refreshing in a way like to like you know oliver and you could have uh hendrick could have done anything right done you guys could have many you know you could have in theory manufactured anything but the to have a to have a cigar that dates back you know prior to you know the american revolution um and resurrect it and you know it is something that was just really really enlightening and very unique in a way and that word gets tossed around so much in this industry i know we used it a ton to describe the hanky cigar but it it gets tossed around quite a bit but the project in itself it really does deserve that moniker because it, it it's i i mean i was i mean i was just absolutely 
like elated to kind of see what your take on on a on a truly classic brand and blend that no one's ever heard of you know for the most part and you know have oliver and united take the responsibility of of resurrecting something and the the care and everything that they put into it and entrusting it in your hands and uh, you know that was something i was just the the whole collaborative effort on it just was something that was really exciting to me because i mean um i love history as coop mentioned so it was it was it was very exciting it it also was interesting hendrick because your family's heritage is from holland going back to holland and this brand's roots were in holland so it was kind of like a match a really great match here for this was this a, so? This was something that Oliver brought to you guys as concept, and you guys were in with it, basically. Um. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, he came uh to my factory. I, I've known him from the past, but I, you know, I don't think I ever actually talked to him a lot. Uh, he that time came with uh with David Garofalo, who I knew for many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that you know that okay, well, David, yeah, I know David very well, and uh, they came with uh, the concept. Uh, and it was just so, so interesting. And, and uh, because of the Dutch heritage, you know, my family, Kellner, being from Holland, you know, my mm-hmm. grandpa that I never met um, because he died when my dad was 17. Um, to be able to, to make a cigar with that history, uh, I, I just couldn't say no. Of course, I, did, I wanted to make a great cigar, uh, not to disappoint anybody. Um, and you know we, uh, we we made some blends uh, took a while but then we, we decided on, on the right one and uh, I'm I'm very happy that I that I took this uh, this cigar and and we made it and uh, because at the time I was also very very uh, much in back order uh, so I you know I would not I was not saying uh, yes to new production uh, but I could never say no to that concept to that idea yeah. Um, uh, something like red anchor I, I mean i i had i had to do it and um i'm very happy that i did and uh you know the history of that cigar and oliver can tell you more than me about that it's just um you feel honored to be a part uh of that brand and try to relaunch it and redo it in in this present time so yeah for me it was uh for sure something that i i would love to participate on and you got you know, that much Good. There's a lot of Dutch history in in the state of Pennsylvania too. Um, I didn't even think of that part. Yeah. And there's you know this there's there's Pennsylvania Lajero in this cigar. Yeah. Was was that? Yes, 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 yes. Was well, that just coincidence or was that intentional too? <laughs> that might have been coincidence. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Now now, yeah. now I'm just now I'm just yeah. pulling the strings here, but so, it, it's it's yeah, just yeah. really it's that, really that cool. That might have been really coincidence. Neat. And well, actually, got... that that tobacco gives it the touch i mean we've tried it without that and it's it's a good cigar but it's not the same so that gives it the magic touch uh, that that pennsylvania there from from us uh and i think that rounded up the blend in the way we wanted to and actually now you're smoking the toro the only one that is in the us yeah but i'm smoking here the new production the robusto uh which is very very good and that'll be in in, in available by pca time that one and another Corona called the Gunner. Uh, so those are the two new sizes that are in production now. This is what I smoke production cigars. 
and I just banded this for tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this is straight from production, fresh cigar, and it's it's delicious. It, it really very, very is a great there. cigar. Um, and it's of course it's got that Monte Plata uh wrapper. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm not a binder. I'm sorry, binder. Binder, right? binder. Binder, yes, uh-huh. binder, yes. Um, and it really is. Um, these these are also I'll just say that they are smoking great. Even with some short-term aging, they're even getting better. Is what I'm going to tell you. That they're yeah, uh, yeah they do get better uh, for sure. Uh, some cigars uh, just get a little bit better. Some don't get better at all. But this is one yeah. of the cigars that, with age, gets you know even better. So yeah, wow. very good. Yeah, it's um, it's just it's very flavorful. It's very approachable. Um, and I feel like the Dominican tobaccos really shine shine with this. Yeah, if you like yeah. them, and I love Dominican tobacco, it just shines here. Uh, it's not overwhelmed that, by the. It's no. not yeah. overwhelmed by the by the by the Pennsylvania like you know Pennsylvania yeah, no, can no, be yeah. overwhelming, but it's not. Yeah, yeah, no, and also the I think also the magic here in this cigar is the the binder, the Monte Plata binder. Yeah, uh, because that land uh, has a lower pH and a lot more mineral, more much much more iron. And it gives you a lingering aftertaste that is similar to um, the Cuban land, the good Cuban land years ago when it was not washed out uh, with a low pH and all that. It, it, it really has a different taste that is not the normal Dominican taste. So you got two fillers that are Dominican and complement well each other. The Pennsylvania that pulls it to its side and then the Monte Plata binder that rounds it up yeah. uh, nicely. Uh, so it's a uh, it, it's a it's a well thought and balanced blend. Yeah, uh, I think. Yeah, no, it it, re- it really is. Um, I think you you just hit it the bat like, you know, you you. I'm not trying to go back to your dad again, but I guess I am going to go back to your dad. He's the one who told me about rolling the smoke on the tongue and stuff like that. Uh huh. And okay, you know he. Thing, uh, yeah, you know, and that's as I do it with this cigar, it's it's, it's so balanced. It, it's clear with that. Well, that yeah, that's the thing. You cannot escape from your past, and uh, I come from the <laughs> from the school. I come from that school of balance, yeah. uh, and uh, I mean, it, it was been told to me, and I learned it that way. You know, not too much here, not too much there, not too strong, not too mild. It, it has to keep it interesting for the smoker. Uh, even if there are subtle notes, uh, but yeah. it has to be interesting. Uh, it cannot be a punch. It cannot be this. It, it has to be. Uh, I rather have my customers, uh, my client, people that smoke my cigars guessing like, ah, I'm not sure what this is, but it is interesting. Yep. I rather have that than just boom. Oh, it's that. That's it. <laughs> you know, yep. uh, I like to combine flavors. Uh, uh, the, 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 the more that I can, I try to combine different flavors. Yeah, Coop and I talk about the what we what we define as the perfect draw, Hendrick. Mm-hmm. And I think it's different for everybody. But mm-hmm. for Coop and I, we we share we share this opinion that like for us, uh, maximum enjoyment on the draw of a cigar is, is just the 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 slightest resistance. So um, you know, we've uh, our friend Ben Lee has coined it as the milkshake draw, where it's like just a little bit mm-hmm. of that, that little bit of that thickness and limited side, yeah. Yep. Yeah, and that's what this cigar yeah. has. Perfect. Uh, yeah, I. That's how I like my cigars. I don't like them too loose. People, yeah. and I, I respect that, and I, I understand that as well. Uh, some people love the huge volume of smoke, 
because it, they make, it makes them feel good. I'll get all the smoke. Uh, of course, uh, I want a cigar that is a little bit more uh, compact and uh, because I think it gives you even more taste. Uh, when it's too loose, then you're missing something and it's a little bit hot. I rather a little bit of resistance, like you say, and for me, that, that is the best. Uh, but of course, I understand uh, that it's also a, a thin line. If you make it too tight, then, then it's a disaster, you know, <laughs> and it could happen. But uh, the goal is you know, like that, a little bit of a resistance. Uh, so you have a little bit of a slower uh, smoking experience. Yeah, the like to your point about more open draws, they have a tendency again, in my opinion and experience, they have a tendency to get really super acrid towards the end. Yeah. And that, you know, because of the hotness that you were talking about Uh and like, and I'm getting towards not, I'm not by no means even close to being finished, but I'm, I'm getting towards the back end of this and like the the smoke is still cool Mm -hmm. and it's still very flavorful and everything. And I think that that's, that's one of the things I like about a slower smoke is just because you can enjoy the cigar a lot longer you know acidity we've talked about before um you know um and you and we were talking about earlier about balance like acidity matters Mm -hmm. when you're smoking but it's when it gets that really really hot and charry and acrid that that's where like you like you said it could become a disaster and and like Mm -hmm. this this slow smoking of this has just been super enjoyable and Mm -hmm. very balanced experience all the way through and it's um yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. This is only my third red anchor. And uh, I think this is the best one yet. Perhaps the company has something to do with it, but, uh, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's, it's That's good. It's, it's really good. Great. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, looking forward for you to try the Robusto. Uh, I think it's I'm very, all in. Very good. Yeah. yeah. I love <laughs> Robusto. You'll be there soon. Yeah. So I mentioned there's, yeah, sorry, there's, there's one more size, one more Vitola, smaller one. Actually called. Uh, let me see how close it is. To I think I was going to ask you about this one. Yeah, uh, the name is very close to yours. Oh, that's Cooper. I. I, I, Cooper, I, I yeah. have. Yeah, that was just gonna. That's what I was going <laughs> to ask you. No, now Oliver, yeah. I, I am giving you the right to use the. I'm not gonna you can use the trademark, Oliver. I'm just saying, but, uh, but we'll say that's going to be the best size on the line for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna. It's a smaller one, uh, and I think it's going to be for promotions and all that. But it's. It, yeah. it, it, it's going to be more compact than one, and more intense. Yeah. So should be good. I, I don't know, Bear, if I can, I can, I'll have to review it. I'll have to find a way to review it. Right. But I know that's going to be the best size <laughs> in my head. I'm like, God, I got a size called the Cooper. It's so cool. And it's, it's, a, <laughs> and it's a great size. It's a, what is it? A four and a half by 43, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. A, it's a petite wow. Corona. What a great mm-hmm. size that is. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, uh, yeah you know, ahead. again, I love smaller cigars that you, I, I love, I love Pennsylvania tobacco when it's, when it's, when it's incorporated into blends that are balanced, like the one we're yeah. talking about. Um, and I love it in smaller Vitolas. You just don't see it terribly often. Um, you know, it's just, it's just not a tobacco that's widely used in that regard. And uh, so I'm really excited. To, I'm really excited to try it in the Robusto and then in, in the Petit Corona. I think it'll be, I think it'll be sensational. Yeah, uh, we've tried it already, and it, it's really good. It's really good. Yeah. Also, the the Pennsylvania, I guess, depends where you get it from or what company. Um, the company that I get it from, uh, actually, they do they they use that for wrapper, and what is not pretty enough for wrapper, they do an extra fermentation longer, and then they they offer it as filler to some companies. 
and uh, it's more worked. It's more fermented, more uh, more time. So it's it's really nice and subtle. Uh, the Pennsylvania that that I'm that I use in my cigars. Sure. Uh, it's 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 really really good. Uh, yeah. Sometimes I see people use the Pennsylvania. I know everyone uses it to kind of give it a little more strength, right? But sometimes I see people just throw it in there and it's like all strength. And and here you just, I, I don't feel it's doing, like in this cigar, it, it may be giving it a little more strength, but it's clearly adding to this cigar. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. It's basically a, a more more flavor than yeah, strength yeah. in this case. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, I, I, I'm going to ask you this question because I'm, I'm kind of curious what your answer is. Are you a person who retrohales a cigar or no? Yes, 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 yeah. yes, yes. Because I mean, I, I was gonna, yeah. I don't do it like unconsciously. I have to. Oh, right. let me retrohale now. Um, but yes, for me, it's very important to get the the aromas. Uh, you get more from here, and uh, also to feel more the strength of the cigar. Yep. Uh, you can. Uh, yeah. I, I think for real like smoking experience, you need you need to retrohale. Yeah. I mean, it's not that if you don't yeah. retrohale, you're not smoking. But you get a lot more there, uh, from the nuances of the of the cigar if you do retrohale. There's so much on the retrohale with this cigar that you're you're gonna miss out if you're not retrohaling this cigar. Um, it, it's just adding this layer of complexity on this cigar, and I'm getting some. It's interesting. I'm getting some of the black pepper note on the retrohale, but it's not like that sharp black pepper note that's just gonna you know overwhelm me. It's just a nice spite layer of spice I'm getting on it, which is I'm really like. Very li like a little bit of licorice sweetness. And sweetness, spice. there's a sweetness on it too, right? But it's not that pepper bomb on the retro you get, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is really, this is really good. This is a good cigar. I mean, you, you should be really proud of this. I mean, as well as all the work you've done. No, we, we are, we are. And uh, for me, the the most satisfying thing is when you know somebody smokes my cigar and uh, and they say they like it. Uh, that's the best reward. Yeah. Yeah. that you can get as a as a manufacturer yeah um uh, for all the work that you know we put in when somebody says oh yeah yep. i like that i find it interesting uh for me that that, that is just the best yeah. absolutely was that was that a unique experience for you hendrick when you okay so you made you've been making cigars for decades you know but like when, once you when you opened kbf and you know you pulled some of those first cigars from you know from your first productions and everything and handed it to people and them telling you that they liked it. Was that different than when you were working alongside your father and Eladio and everybody? Oh, it was very different. Uh, because when I worked with my dad, I didn't have that responsibility. I was there just to give an opinion and to learn and to do my other job. Uh, but when I made KBF, then you're the man, uh, you know, you have to convince people that, that you're good, that you can do good cigars. And uh, you have to convince them that even if you're not at that huge company uh, with your limited uh, tobaccos now, that you can make great blends. And uh, one of my first customers um, was uh, Caval, uh, that brand that you might heard of, uh, Chris. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Chris. yep. So, oh, yeah. Oh, cigars so good. He was the one who was brave enough to... That when I told him, Chris, you know, I'm going to do a factory next year, this and that. And he said, oh, wow, I'm thinking of doing a brand. I'll go with you. I said, oh, that, well, there we go. Uh, but actually, the first cigars that came out of KBF, uh, they were probably terrible. Uh, uh, you know, even if you have all the experience in the world, uh, if you have all, you know, great tobaccos, 
when you change a scenario and you start making things uh, by yourself for the first time, there's so many things that can go wrong. Uh, so many aspects that you normally control once you're settled, uh, once you have you know the elements going for you. When you do it, uh, you know, starting a factory, it's very very difficult, and that's why we went very very slow, and we just you know do, did a lot of tryouts, and uh, so the first batch of cigars was just you know a disaster. And then you start, oh, let's fix this, let's fix that. Well, this tobacco is different than we're used to. This, uh, obviously, we cannot use too much because it dominates too much. Uh, this one doesn't work next to that one. Uh, this tobacco will not marry with that one. Damn it, you know, let's do it again, let's do it again. And it was, you know, exhausting work. And by the time Chris Rolfo flew to Dominican with uh, Larry Booman, his, his boss back then from the smoke ring, uh, Houston, uh, you know, we did so many samples and we probably overdid the blendings. We blended so many cigars and we just put so much stuff in uh, that, you know, uh, put so many different tobaccos in to get a result. Uh, finally, we got some good things, but it was like over blending. We, we put too many things. We was too complex. Um uh, and in the long run, you have to fix that and narrow it down to something more easy for production with the same pleasure. So that was, um, as a blender for me, uh, one of the toughest moments, you know, to come out with great blends at a new location with new tobaccos to me, some of the old tobaccos and some of the new tobaccos that you had to blend them with, with the old ones. Uh, so that was a, a great challenge. Uh, good thing I was 10 years younger because that took a lot of energy uh, to create great blends in a new scenario like that. It's like a batch of pancakes, Hendrik. The first one's never good. Yeah, it burns. <laughs> Probably, yeah. That's correct. You know, and Hendrik, you, one thing I guess you've been able to do is with a small operation, you're able to really have your hands on everything. I mean, which is good, you know, where it's not a, a major operation where if you spread yourself too thin, I mean, it's, it's, it's manageable for you to be involved with all these aspects of, of, mm -hmm. of the production cycle. So I think that's something that was probably a benefit. If you weren't happy at the beginning, you were probably able to get that working a lot quicker, you know, as far as that goes. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, because in the beginning, you're going to make mistakes. So they might as well be small mistakes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you're overconfident and say, Oh no, I'm great. I'm a great blender. Let's just do yeah. a million cigars and then they're all shit. Then you, then yeah. that's it for you. Uh, so uh, you have to really, you know, work with the elements. And once yeah. you become, you know, okay, then do a little bit more. Once you become good, then you can, you know, offer a little sure. more. How, how, I mean, I think you answered part of this already, but I'm just curious on your answer. So you're a small factory and you're doing small batch production, right? But how hard is it to keep consistency on a small batch production? I've heard people say sometimes it's harder because of the tobaccos they get, you know, and a lot of them aren't made available. But you, you seem to have, how do you seem to manage that? Is that because you've been able to buy a lot of tobacco and have a big supply? But how exactly. do you keep it consistent with that? Yeah. Exactly. Having a lot of tobacco and uh, smaller uh, output of cigars, then you can keep consistency through the years. And also, uh, but even for big factories, they make millions and they have a lot of tobacco, but they run out. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then it's, or a year is different. So that's the, the job of the blender 
to forget about the recipe, forget yeah. about the exact blend, 30% of this, 40% yeah. of that, 20% of that. No, it's the final taste, yeah. how the cigar is supposed to taste. Yeah. So then if one tobacco is damaged from the crop or it's just different, you can see it, yeah. understand it, and fix it in the blend. And maybe not by changing one element for the other, but changing the whole thing. So at the end, you get the same tasting result as how it's supposed to taste, how it's supposed to be. So that's, that's really when you know that you have a blender, uh, when he's able to keep the consistency uh, of that specific cigar through the years and maybe using different tobaccos if he has to. Sure. So, Bear, do you have anything else for Hendrick before we kind of wrap up? Um, do you, um, I mean, this might, this might be a little bit of an unfair question to you, Hendrick, because, you know, I know, I know working with partners that, you know, in, in like brands like Principal and United and stuff like that, a lot of it depends on them as well, too. But do you foresee this as the beginning of, um, of, greater partnership with uh with oliver and david and united um yeah it could be i like to deal with people that are gentlemen uh people that understand uh, what you do and you understand what they do people that have respect for you so you can respect them and oliver is a gentleman um i like well like i said i'm very independent in my factory but i uh the experience of working with him has been great and also i have great experiences with with other people uh, that make cigars with me. So I think uh, if a person uh, is honorable, uh, is a gentleman, understands how things are, understand that nothing is perfect, especially in a handmade product of mixing leaves and uh, there's some tolerance and uh, everything is possible, uh, I guess, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I mean, I think it's been a great partnership and it, these brands that you have fostered and worked with uh, with as well as your own. I'm just like, you know, and talking to you, I just understand why the quality has been there with these cigars. They're, they're, they're really good. Like I said, this is true boutique cigars that we're talking here and true boutique production. So um, it, it, it's a great story to hear this. Um, and you've done some amazing work. And, and again, congrats for 10 years because most a lot of businesses don't make it two years so you know to make it 10 years you're doing something right hendrick there yeah it was a lot of sacrifice i have to say in the beginning uh uh sacrifice you know a steady job at a big company to risk everything yeah uh so many people saw it as oh are you sure yep. are you crazy uh but for me it was no doubt uh, yep. that i had to do that uh, and the, just the idea of, of this, you know, working with people uh, and owning your own time, not having, yep. I, I guess I'm not good for having a boss uh, on top of me. Yeah. Uh, I rather, you know, make some sacrifices and, and be independent. And I'm, I'm much happier like this, uh, even if there's a high risk, uh, but life is a risk, you know? Sure. So, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you heard the expression, you only live once. It's true. Yeah, yeah. It's true. And, and that's something I've never really done um, with a full-time job. 
you know, this, what I do, is, it's, this is a small, very small business here, but you know, my day job, I've, I've worked for someone else my whole life. I, so I haven't done that major risk. So I really applaud you for that. Yeah. We're all in this industry. It's a lovely industry. It's a very yep. social uh, gentlemen. People respect each other yep. uh, mostly. And I'm very happy to, you know, uh, of the life that I've chosen. Uh, even if you are from the Kellner family, I mean, you have a choice not to work in tobacco if you don't like it. Right. Uh, it's not mandatory. Uh, but I am very happy that I, I, I know that I, you know, kept at it. Uh, I never had any doubts. I just wanted to do things uh, my own way, in my own terms. Uh, and I'm much happier now that I'm independent. That that is for sure. Yeah, you've done a great job. Oh, thank Absolutely. you. Thank you. Yeah. The next time you're in Dominican, uh, please come. Oh, on I was me. just gonna. I was just gonna ask <laughs> if I can invite myself over. Oh yeah, <laughs> anytime. If so, you come for a pearl cigar next year. Yeah. No, uh, I, I. I'll probably go before. Take a, after. take a few hours. Uh, my factory. You can see it in five minutes. It's just this, this and that. <laughs> you know, it's funny when I go to these very small factories, I end up spending a lot of time there. Is what I'll just tell you, because yeah. <laughs> there's just so much to absorb and just enjoy the the environment too so uh, i feel it's very so i'd love to do it uh for sure so we, we have yeah. to get the you, so I, you I, are I, invited you are invited i mean we've seen each other through the hallways many times and we no, got to make that this happen. long yeah so now make, now yeah now we have the introduction now now we know each other so yeah you're very much welcome at kvf i'm definitely no i appreciate it because usually when i'm at the night you're too bare <laughs> Thank the you. night galas, I don't make it very late at the night galas. Even though I'm known to stay up late. Yeah. I usually get tired. I'll, the... Yeah, I'll be at PCA too this year. Uh, that was going to be my next question. Oh, awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely, uh, we'll definitely... I'll be there. Uh, I like to support some of the uh, clients of KBF that will be there. You know, Oliver, United. Uh, yeah. I think Darren is going to be there with Principal. I saw uh, everyone. Castagli yeah. is going to have a booth and a few other ones. Um, so, yeah, it'll be... It'll be nice to see them and just, you know, say hello. Absolutely. We, we definitely love that. Um, so, that, I mean, I know the rest of the team would love to meet you as well. We have two other members on the team. Who, um, so um, I think that will be great. But I'm going to take yeah. you up on that, Hendrick. So you make, you're going to get that email from me. In the, uh, from KBF. Yeah, it's easy. I'm, I'm always here. So yeah. cannot, I, 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 actually, I actually am comfortable enough going around the Dominican myself. So it's like one of the few foreign countries like i'm now comfortable enough going around myself there so i've kind of drive here though no it's crazy here it's even more crazy than new york yeah oh yeah they'll 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 kill you here Uh, you have to be careful well you don't have like some of your you don't have like intercept like some of your traffic there's not traffic lights in certain places yeah no traffic (laughs) lights are are optional you have to know (laughs) which traffic light to stop and if you stop at some red lights you just honk the horn like tourists move you know (laughs) so um, I have a reputation for being a very aggressive driver. Bear will tell you that. Oh, well, but I, I would no way drive into Dominican. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, it's better to take a taxi or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. I'll, uh, I'll pick you up. I'll pick you up. Don't worry. Oh, no, that'd be great. I, I love <laughs> and, it. Man. And I have an old car. So we, if we crash, it's nothing to lose there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I said I grew up with, with older cars through my dad. He was a car person and he'd constantly get these older, like 30 to 40 year old cars we'd always have around. So. I, I was used to it, so I will be, it will be a nice throwback. And I'd, I'd really love to see that operation. It just, I mean, I've just learned so much tonight. Um, and I know you don't do a lot of these, and, and I think hopefully people really got a lot out of this tonight because there's some great things you're doing and great brands behind this. 
Yeah, thank you. I mean, I'm always uh, happy to do this show since I don't go to the U.S. much. Or I don't travel much. This is the one thing I can do. Well, so I'm very, very happy to do that. Yeah. I don't think I'm speaking out of turn for Bear. You're welcome back anytime on oh, the show. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. This is, yeah. this any, is any, such an honor. Anytime you'll have me, I'll, I'll yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And uh, we'll definitely be, be talking to you at PCA for sure. Yes. Yeah. 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 What an, what, this that, is yeah. such an honor, Hendrik. Thank you so much for your time. Tonight. Yeah, we, we appreciate it. We know it's late there. We know this is your personal time as well. So it's not taken for granted that, you know, you, you took some time with us tonight. Oh, I'm happy. I'm in my house. I'm very, very comfortable. My kids, I told them to be quiet. They're watching TV. So it's all good. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, for your 49, you got to look like the youngest 49 I've ever seen. Oh, no, no. I look much worse in real life. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm 55, so I, I wish yes, I could take that 49. Right. <laughs> All right. Hendrik, thank you very much for being on uh, for our six-year anniversary show. Uh, we really appreciate it. We're, we're excited to see you in a couple of months at PCA. Yep. Um, nice to, to be at your show, Coop. Uh, nice to meet you, Bear. And I hope uh, this is the first of many meetings that we will have in the future. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Hendrik. Take care. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. All right. Have a good night. That's Hendrik right. Kellner, uh, Jr. of the KBF Factory here on the Primetime Show. Um, so I wasn't going to do this to Hendrik, right? I wasn't going to put a presidential trivia question on him, right? I just felt because, I mean, the guy's in the Dominican, right? So I usually, if it's a U.S., I'll put him in. But, so, but don't forget, I have a presidential trivia question for you, Bear. Terrific. So, um, Is it the J question yet? I'll it's explain. Haunting, I'm, I'm going to explain it's it. haunting my nightmares. I'm going to explain. I'm going to explain what it is. It, it's sort of related to that. But first, I just want to again mention, um, uh, of course, the president segment is we're coming on a year with the segment now is sponsored by United Cigars um, featuring Gagliana Havana and distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo and the highly acclaimed Atabay and Byron and Alfonso. And of course, Red Anchor. Smoke United, live United. So, yeah, Bill, we're about at a year with this segment already. It's crazy. And you have put over the 20 shows we've done. What Usually we, we commit to about 20 shows a year is what we do. I think we're, the year is like, I think it's a little later in the month, but we're close. So this is the 21st one. So this, so let me explain where, this, where, the, where the J question is standing. Because I did, it, it's, the answer is this is partial. Jay gave me something to do a question. The problem is some of the stuff I couldn't completely validate in it. But there was a, he sent me to a source on it. But the problem is I don't consider the source to be a presidential historian. So what I've done is I've taken parts of this. I took, I'm taking a part of it out that was in this one. Okay. I'm not going to say what it was until we kind of go through it. But, but the parts, some of the parts I was able to validate. Okay. So, all right. So. A very simple question I have for you tonight. I don't know if you're going to get this one. I'm going to, I'm going to be very. This isn't like this isn't like like name the name the name all the states that became states and nothing like that. No. Okay. No, it could have been, but I, I took I took a part of this out right because. Okay. Um, but this is I don't know if you know this one or not. This is the first one. You either know it or you're, it's going to stump you. It, it's, I don't think there's an in-between on this one. Okay. So, there are presidents that are known to enjoy cigars. Ulysses S. Grant. It's not Ulysses S. Grant, the answer. I'm not, that's not my answer. I'm just saying okay. like that when we think about presidents and cigars, yep. 
like, like cigar smoking for U.S. presidents has been like a huge thing for years. Yeah. Uh, I mean, going all the way going back to James Madison and everything. Yep. Hope I'm not stepping on the question, but like, yeah, you're like, not. You're not. Lucas but that, S, yeah, this is this grant is the like when people like cigars and presidents. There's two things. Unfortunate one's unfortunate, and the other one is Lou Ulysses yep. Grant. I'm not yep. going to say the other one, Bill Clinton. You know what I'm saying? So. <laughs> no, no. All right, but but. Here's, a, but here's this question, okay? There's a president that enjoyed smoking cigars. But he actually enjoyed smoking cigars with his wife, who also smoked cigars. Who was were that president? Who was were, that president? Okay, go. Who, the, this, who, were these cigars or cigars? What, how do you define a cigar? The spelling. It could be either way, I guess, depending on that. It could go either way with this one because of where the president okay. is from. Yeah, that, so, so, sure. So, cigars is, uh, you know, S E E G A R S is a common mm-hmm. spelling for cigars yep. in the early 1800s. Yep. Um, which, so that's why I was asking. So, um, yeah, I'll I, do, yep. I'm pretty sure I know this. So, uh-huh. Make sure I understand the question, just in case you're trying to stump me. There's no uh, trick question here. So it's it, what president was known to enjoy cigars slash cigars? Because I don't know if there was a distinction here, but with his wife, who also smoked cigars slash cigars. Well, the wife would be easy because one of the I'm sure a lot of first ladies enjoyed cigars, probably a little bit more in private, but one of one of the famous first ladies that probably I know the answer to this question. This is like I'm, I'm, I'm going to either look like a biggest dumbass or I'm like going to look like a. Awesome well, you may have something that I haven't been able to validate. In so, um, among all the first ladies that 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 uh, have been a, been a part of American history, uh, a lot of them have been really infamous for many reasons. Some have unfortunately been part of you know, backlash. And a lot of, a lot of people, unfortunately made fun of this woman quite a bit. And it's, um, and it's really sad because this president loved his wife and absolutely adored her. Um, the first lady that I'm referring to is Rachel Jackson and her husband is Andrew Jackson. And they shared cigars together every night. Uh, she used to smoke two is according to historical logs and stuff. So that's my answer. You are correct. I, 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 there you go. You are a hundred percent correct with that answer. It was Andrew Jackson yeah, I, and Rachel Jackson. Yep. And Andrew Jackson comes up more and more of these. He's such. He's like the most. Like he. He. But he does not have the greatest reputation. Let's just be honest. No, he doesn't. Uh, and it's it's unfortunate, but um, God, he's so fucking interesting, <laughs> and and you know. Old Hickory for this 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 larger than life character, this very you know very gruff and tough and controversial figure in American history, you know, had a lot of emotion and tenderness towards his wife Rachel, who unfortunately had a lot of like criticism in the press and and stuff. Like a lot of people made fun of her actually, and it was like like. And I, I think I don't think that would have been the case if she had been married to anybody else, because, you know, I think that had a lot to do with it, unfortunately. But but man, he he had great affection for his wife. So, um, yeah, it's 
Did it's they pick, really unusual. Did they pick on her because she was a divorcee? Because I think she was a divorcee. That, that was part. I mean, yeah. I mean, the yeah. things that like, yeah, the things that they quote unquote made fun of her for, you think like now in modern terms. Yeah. Like, really? Like, come on. Like, that's not yeah. that big of a deal. Yeah. Divorcee was one of them. And and uh, yeah, just yeah, just people are just mean sometimes. And and listen, I I'm I'm not the biggest fan of Andrew Jackson. Um, so I'm not going to be a Jackson apologist. Uh, right. uh, Jacksonian America is, you know, there's, 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 there's a lot to pick apart there. Uh, yeah. probably, <laughs> but, um, there's a, there's a loss of also no unfairness. Yeah. Someone else who used to share tobacco with their, with their spouse, uh, but it was cigarettes was FDR was not a cigar smoker. He was a cigarette smoker right. and his wife, you know, Eleanor, they're both smoked cigarettes right. together. So well, and Bill Clinton shared cigars with Monica, but we won't, you know, it was a little yeah, different. Yeah, like I said, that doesn't, that, that, a little different with president, <laughs> presidents and cigars, there's like, you think of two people, there's Ulysses S. Grant and then there's Bill Clinton. And that's, that's what people think. But like James Madison enjoyed cigars until his death. Um, you know, um, a lot of presidents actually smoked uh, in private too. Um, you know, I mean, even going up to Ronald Reagan would enjoy them as well. Um, you know, um, Kennedy, obviously with the, the, the whole H Upman petite Corona's yep. that he had Pierre Salinger fine before he signed the embargo, that whole story. So, I mean, cigars are interwoven in the oval office, you know, in, 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 in a lot of different ways. Um, um, Calvin Coolidge loved them as well. You know, um, there's, there's a lot of great, there's some, there's a really funny story about silent Cal, um and even like of course chester arthur who like loved all things luxurious and everything so of course you knew he was a cigar smoker i mean this is a guy who enjoyed eel eating eel just because it was really hard to get so right right um yeah cigars are cigars are very much a part of uh the american presidency so but uh, yeah good question no, it's good, Jay. Thanks to Jay. I said he'll have a few questions in in the queue for the next few weeks. Um, with, with this Man, one, fucking uh, <laughs> the uh, you know, I got this. You mentioned USS Grant, and I think I've mentioned this on the show, and, and I I think I've mentioned it on a few. You know, I get that question: Who in history would you want to have a cigar with? And one of my, I give a lot of answers to that, but USS Grant is always the one that comes to mind with me because he was a cigar smoker. And he had, I, I just think he had one of the most interesting lives, to be honest with you. His yeah. road to the presidency and his post-presidency, um, it was very much a climb and fall. It was, it was um, to me, he's the one guy I just would love to sit and talk with some of those things that happened uh, with it. He, he, to me, he's the most fascinating of the cigar smoking history for me. Uh, that's the guy I want to smoke with. Well, he's a, you know, he went, you know, he went from American hero to a pariah in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, the reconstruction was, was tough yeah. on him and Andrew Johnson. Yeah. Um, and, you know, even presidents afterwards. I mean, you know, you think about it, there was only one Democrat that was elected to the Oval Office uh, between like, you know, between Lincoln and Woodrow Wilson. There was only one Democrat. Rutherford Hayes, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, who was also a who was also a Civil War hero. So yeah. let's just yeah. keep that in mind. Yep, exactly. Um, so like the for the Union, obviously. So um, that had a, I think that had a lot to do with his popularity and what what garnered him to the to the uh, to the White House. So yeah, um, the 
the thing that I really like about uh, uh, Jay said that wasn't his question. No, it's it's in Jay. It was one of the answers to your question. Okay. And he has anyway. a long, it's a long question. He's got, oh, it, great. Fantastic. Because there was some of the answers I wasn't hundred percent sure of. I may still use part of the question though. I may still use that same question, but maybe pare it down a bit. But some of the stuff I there was a couple of those things in that article Jay sent me that when I went and val I couldn't get valid like this Andrew Rachel Jackson was one of the answers. Um I couldn't I was able to validate this one pretty easy. And and obviously you knew it too. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's pretty it's pretty well known. Um well well known if you you know well, I, I didn't know I didn't know it until I saw it. Yeah. I did not know that until I saw that. Um, but, I mean, I would if I had a guess who was a cigar smoking president. Obviously, I think Andrew Jackson. It would see. Here was the only thing I was I was worried I was tricking you with this question, right? And that's why I, I kind of kept it open. She didn't actually serve as first lady, right? She died right before the inauguration, if I'm not mistaken. She died in between the election and the inauguration, correct? Uh God. I'm pretty was sure it, that's why. Between that, I know it was really early. I shit. That sounds right. Okay. That that sounds was right. Our, so that's why I didn't say in office or out of office. I kept it like wide with that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, you know, I'm not going to discount that one. I figured it would. I mean, that was, yeah, that was part of it. You know, like that was, and I think that was part of his, you know, that was part of his loyalty to her was just like how, yeah. again, I mean, even, even after death, you know, the, the press was just, you know, relentless yeah. on her. It's like, good God, man, let the lady, let the, I mean, we, we are, we are, I mean, we have been brutal with first ladies over the years though, too. I mean, in, in modern times, and it's, it's actually a shame sometimes what I've seen, you know, regardless of what you think of the, sometimes I get the politics you don't agree with them on. Right. But I've seen other things which have nothing to do with the politics. I'm like, you know, you know, really come on. I mean, you want to disagree with their politics, that's fine. But um, yeah. the other stuff, I think it's just, it's it's way, I mean, it's, it, it, you know, the, well, like the sacrifice every, they're everything, doing. Yeah. Everything from, you know, Hillary when she was first lady to like Michelle Obama take, you know, the lady can't even take a picture in a soup kitchen without getting, you know, criticized for it. You know, like, it yeah. Just, yeah, we're, yeah, yeah as, as, a, as a country, we're, we're really, we're really tough. We're really tough we, on we, celebrity we, and fame. We are, yeah. But it's, the the people the the inner circle around famous people are yeah. even are we're even tougher on i mean think like i mean think about the past administration like tr the trump administration and the biden administration like how tough we've been on press secretaries like from both sides of the aisle right like yeah. just we have yeah yeah we have like, been, yeah. i mean it's like god bless man come on. yeah i mean come on it's like i mean i have no problem you want to disagree with their policy and their, their politics and um, but yeah, some of the others, it's just, and I'm, we're not, you know, we don't, we don't talk the politics here, but yeah. Um, I think there's just some things like look at history and, um, we, we could think of a ton of just some of the modern first ladies I could think of going in my lifetime. I'm like, you know, I think we've gone a little, I mean, I go back to Betty Ford and stuff like that too, which yeah, know, that what they I did. Mean, are, yeah. So and look at all the, look at all the charitable work she did and yeah. Nancy Reagan. Yeah. Barbara Barbara Bush, we made fun of the way she walked. I mean, yeah. she was old. You know, I mean, she, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I remember they made fun of how she looked. She has white hair. Like, come on, I mean, really? I mean, we we don't we don't make fun of a president with white hair, you know. But the first lady, has, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I get it. So, uh, no, so that was this week. That was our presidential trivia segment. Bear always brought to you by United Cigars. Um, you know, before we get the next segment, this um. This red anchor, I agree with you. I, I I haven't had one 
in a couple of months. And this is really coming along nice. This is just, if you know, if you smoked it, maybe and your reaction wasn't this. I pick this up again. I really would. It's smoking great. I finished mine. I'm on to the, to the hanky now. Yeah. I got it. I'm going to have to make a swap with you for some hankies, by the way. So, uh, I, yeah. Usually I'd pick them up in, a, in like a Davidoff store, or like a big Davidoff store I picked them up in. That's where I've always bought them. But I haven't been to, I haven't been to one in a while, just because where I've been. So, um, I have to get some. I mean, I, small batch was added them. I actually was looking to try to get some from small batch. So, uh, but, but were, back, to, back to your thing about sharing dinner or sharing a cigar. Yeah. Um, I would, I've always said that I would love to have, I would, Lincoln is the, the person, is the president that I would I, I think absolutely Lincoln is on that list too. So, it, but I mean, if you want the double tire trip, sharing a cigar with Ulysses S. Grant and having Lincoln in the same conversation, being a part of a, like what, a trip, what, what, holy shit. A panel show with Lincoln, Johnson, and, and Grant. I mean, think about that. That'd be great. Think of the dynamics of those three. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, that's going, sorry, going back to Grant too. Like, I mean, they're, Again, American hero, but there's a chance it was it was pure chance that you know he could have been assassinated along with Lincoln too because he was supposed to be the guest that night at Ford Theater. That's true. So, um, and so I mean, something could have happened to him as well. You know, it's you know, it's it's the little trysts of history are interesting. Um, you know. You know, the assassination attempt on FDR, you know, the guy who was on a standing on a chair to try and take a shot. And he hit that, that uh, you know, Roosevelt was his target, but he ended up hitting the mayor of Chicago uh, because the the chair that he was, st- was standing on was um, broken. Oh, wow. And because he was he was off balance, he hit the mayor of Chicago instead of. FDR so but this was prior to I mean this was prior to everything including the new deal and so if FDR gets hit and dies at that point his vice president is John Nance Gardner who was picked on the ticket to secure the op you know the, as usually ticket mates are, are 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 brought on which is to kind of balance the balance the ticket right but there was one piece of government and policy that Roosevelt and his vice president disagreed on, and it was the New Deal. So if Roosevelt dies, John Nance Gardner becomes president, the New Deal never happens, and our country doesn't survive the Great Depression. It's interesting. I mean, because it was, you know, yeah. How's yeah. that for how's that how's that for a holy shit fact? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Broken chair, man. Yep. Um, you know, just the last thing I'll mention about um Grant. I know we were on this. Um in 1976, none of you guys were alive, right? I was in I was in third grade. And it was the bicentennial during third grade. I don't know if we're going to be in 2026 doing anything for the 250th, but I always been to the bicentennial was was such a big campaign. I don't think people realize how unless you were alive back then, everything was bicentennial. We were doing okay from you know products to 
TV specials to books, and it, it hit the schools. And there was, I guess, our class got this like library of biographies. Uh, and I remember they were in red, white, and blue books. And basically, we each picked a book at random. And it was everyone got a different book. And we had to read it and do a report. And I got Grant. I got, and it was called, it actually it said U.S. Grant on it. And that's when I first got my exposure to Louis, Ulysses S. Grant. And it was like, I just, that book was, his life was very interesting. As an eight-year-old, I was getting interested in this. Um, just the trials and tribute. This guy had, he was a mess for a while, this guy. I mean, um, so yeah, and then any shows he's been, like Hell on Wheels, he played a pretty big role on that TV show, Hell on Wheels. Yeah. Um, he was in several episodes or someone played him in several episodes. So, yeah, it was a big deal uh, for me. I've always had this fascination with him going back to when I'm eight years old. So that's, that's you know, going back almost 50 years now. So he's he's a very all, that's the thing I love about why people are like, Bear, why do you even care about this kind of stuff? It's like the, the U.S. presidents are some of the most fascinating and interesting people in history, yeah. not because just because they're the leader of our country. I, I've said this many times, like you have to be fucking crazy outside your mind to run for president, let alone be president of the yep. United States. Like you have to be nuts. Like half the country loves you and half the country hates you all day, every day yep. for four Eight, four eight years however long you're in office yep. it is insane yep true you're right you're 100 right you have to make deci- every decision that you make every decision that you make has like unforeseen consequences that you can't even fathom you know yeah down the down the pipe like this might sound like the, the greatest thing in the world but what it ultimately becomes, you know, like, you know, glass, the Glass-Steagall Act, you know, gets passed and, you know, we experienced some of the greatest parts of our history in the 1900s. It gets repealed under Clinton. And like at the time, it just didn't seem like a big deal. And what what it allowed for the, the things in history that it's allowed for in the two thousands is just like, you know, you're not, you can't lay that at Clinton's feet. He didn't know, like he couldn't have foreseen some of the stuff that happened because of it. And, and it's crazy. It is just nuts. Like yep. the impact that stuff has. I agree. All right. Let's turn to our other history segment. This is our, uh, Espinoza This Day in Sports History. And it's brought to you, of course, by Espinoza Cigars, makers of award-winning blends such as Espinoza 601 and Knuckle Sandwich. Smoke Espinoza. Smoke Espinoza every day. All right, so we're going, we're going to go back to baseball history tonight, right? Um, And, you know, the question, you know, the question will maybe in the future on this day be what, what, what incredible baseball player um made the biggest comeback ever from Tommy John's surgery? That could be the question uh, in the future. John Smoltz is always going to be the answer, Coop. No, now it's going to be Bryce Harper. It's always going to be the answer. It's always Well, I get – okay, let's say non-pitcher. Let's say non-pitcher. I get that. Okay. Did Smoltz come back as quick as Harper did? 
it doesn't matter how quick he came back. Look what he did afterwards. And by, and by the way, he got Tommy Dunn's Tommy John surgery two decades before Bryce Harper did when it wasn't, when it was, when they did not have the medical advances that they have now, by the way, Shohei Otani has also had Tommy John. So watch your mouth a little bit, dude. Well, I'm just going a quickest um, look. All I know is I actually don't want him coming back that quick. Um, but uh, just another uh, baseball note, uh, actually, the uh, Gabe Kapler beat the beat the Astros tonight. Just uh, a little surprise there. Yeah. Two nothing. I mean, the Astros have not looked good actually the last few days. Um, but okay, but we have a baseball question in history here. I think you're gonna get this one, right? Yeah. This player stole his way around the bases in the first inning of the game, and that game was against the Cubs. And it was actually the fourth time he had done that, which tied an NL record at the time. So, st- you know, it's, you, I assume you, you, you're on the same page of what stealing your way around the bases means. Yeah, you steal first, you steal second, you steal third. Excuse me, you steal second, you steal third, you steal home. Yep. Three, right? Yep. Yeah. Who was that? Um, well, if, it, if we're talking about the record holder, I didn't know what day it was. But if we're talking about the record holder and it's the National League, that's got to be the Pirates. So that's got to be Hannes Wagner. Correct. It's Honus Wagner. 1909, he stole his way around the bases in the first inning of a game against the Cubs, and at the time, it was the fourth time he did it in NL record. That is something that we just don't see today, stealing around the bases. I mean, we just... I don't know when the last time 1909? Happened. This happened like, in 1909? 1909. So the 1908... So Honus Wagner's 1908 season is considered historically to be the greatest baseball season by totally. a... By, by a, by a perf- by an individual person. Yeah. Like oh, ever. Uh, yeah. Uh, I so mean, he, that year he had, um, I believe he had 200 hits. He had 200 hits. Yep. Like, it's like 50 plus stolen bases. Yep. 100 RBIs when the RBI stat mattered. Yep. Um, you know, he batted something like, you know, 350, 360, you know, yep. just something stupid. Yep. Like, just nice. Crazy. Like, yeah. Yeah, I think like his like his OPS was like near a thousand. Like, yep. No, it, it was it was it was like nuts. I mean, he was again. I don't think he had a ton of homers that year. I think he had, a, but for him, he had. I'm looking it up. Ten homers, which I think was his career high in a season. Yeah. And you got to remember, back then they weren't hitting thirty homers a year. 1908. That's the dead ball era, man. That's prior. Yeah, to that's the, the dead ball era. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, you look it's, at that that season, and and the other thing. Bear, this is possibly the greatest stat I'll look at. He only struck out 22 times in 1908. Oh, man, the, the, the Tony Gwynn special, man. I mean, you look at, yeah. This guy, I mean, he's without a doubt. I mean, he is just, uh, we just, that's a guy we don't, you know, he's a century. Obviously, he played a century ago, but what, what he's a player. A, he's a member of the inaugural Hall of Fame class, right? Yeah. See, the, the, I, you know, it's really funny. Everyone knows him because of the baseball card, right? The baseball card is considered to be the most valuable baseball card in yeah. history, right? Yep. Um, I, I've i always still said that he's underrated, which is crazy to think he, about he, when you talk oh, about Oh, he is because, you know, you see these, you see these lists and, um, you know, he played, um, you know, you don't see his position out there on that. Well, yeah, you don't see his position. Yeah, you don't see him as a baseman. Yeah. Well, uh, shortstop, but he was shortstop. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Shortstop. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, even but. 
But if you look at some of the personalities that existed back then, like the greats, right, that were elected into the Hall of Fame class with them, think about the cast of characters that he was elected into the Hall of Fame with. Yep. Babe Ruth, right? So there, there you go. Um, uh, who was not his contemporary, right? He was the he was after him, obviously. Um, but so there was there was that, and then Christy Mathewson, Walter Johnson. Two of the greatest players. By the way, Cy Young was not in the inaugural class. How, how about them apples? Um, yeah, five. Uh, yeah, five hundred eleven wins. Yeah, Ty Cobb. Ty Cobb, Ty Cobb was, was the first guy I elected. He was technically the first. Yeah, Ty Cobb was Ty Cobb was his contemporary though, and so you talk about. I mean, and what a personality, right? Um, and speaking about speaking about controversial people, we were talking about Andrew Jackson earlier. Ty Cobb might be the Andrew Jackson of baseball, the Baseball Hall of Fame. I think I think that might be a fair comparison. <laughs> um, but I mean, loud, gregarious, right? Like that, you know, he stole the spotlight. Honus Wagner is very unassuming and, you know, and was just quietly excellent for his entire career, which is unbelievable. Yep. Very good. So that was um, that was Espinoza Today in Sports History segment. Of course, brought to you by the good friends, our good friends at Espinoza. So let's we'll do what we'll do is we'll we'll finish up like kind of the non-cigar stuff. Then we have some cigar stuff to wrap up the show. So um but I want to get into our great things are happening here segment. Um and this is sponsored by Tobacco USA, makers of iconic brands such as Monte Cristo, Romeo Julieta, H. Chapman, and Aging Room Cigars. Tobacco USA, great things are happening here. You know, I was just today. The official word came that Alta this is going back to the show, which mm-hmm. I know that's good news. But today there was an official statement uh, issued on that, so it wasn't. Th- this is the first day today that um, you know, it was listed. But this is the first communication Alta this gave on. So that's great news. But that wasn't my great news. Things are happening. I was gonna say. I was like, man, that's man. Talk about. I've never seen you play K to a sponsor, Coop. That's that's a little stretchy, man. Listen, I've been very vocal. I the we I am a big look. I love these brands. I love brands. Okay, we we talked about Red Anchor, right? I went, the worst thing about the Big Four leaving with all the brands that were missing from the trade show. To to have I mean, look, Monte Cristo and Romeo had H Chapman. They've gone through a great renaissance the last few years. I'm thrilled these brands are going to be back at the trade show. Absolutely. I mean, so that is well, that wasn't my great things that happened in the segment. I think it was still worth mentioning. No, I'm just I'm just busting your balls, no. for sure. But the irony of this, I didn't know what it, when Hendrick. I'm gonna go first. Is it my, okay, can I go first? I usually take the honor, so I think it's appropriate that you okay. go first. Okay, I think there's a segue with this. Okay, I didn't know that Hendrick was gonna talk about cars, right? When he uh, when he started talking about driving around in an old car, right? And there's a little story that was on the Good News Network today. Uh, or did it come up? It came up a couple of days ago. Wasn't that? Yeah, it was a couple, a couple of days ago, I think. All right. And basically, if you, if you were driving cars that are in the last ten, built, you know, made in the last 10 years, you have seen your dashboard with these beautiful knobs and buttons, Right replaced with touch screens and joysticks and 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 I gotta tell you something, okay? 
you know, when I was teaching, when I was, when I learned from my dad about car shopping, right. And, um, what I've taught my kids about car shopping, what I've learned, it, it's sometimes not just the chassis of the car that makes the car special. It's the interior of the car, um, the quality of the interior. And look, the one thing that I think the touchscreens have taken away, and this is opinion here, so it's, but it's good news for me, is the touchscreens have taken away these beautiful knobs, right? If I, if, I got a, if I was with a car and I didn't like the way the knob looked or if I felt the knob felt cheap, I wouldn't even consider the car, right? Um, and, you know, for example, um, in this article from the Good News, because they show an example of a Porsche Cayenne, beautiful interior, but it's all touchscreen. It looks like a friggin', you know, tablets in there. Like, Well, basically, there's, you know, there's been a little pushback, I think, because um, the touchscreen, some people do consider them not 100% safe. I think there's some debate on that. I don't necessarily agree with that. But Volkswagen, and their subsidiary Porsche, other manufacturers such as Hyundai and Nissan have taken public stances and are going to be returning the buttons and dials for the inside of the car. So I could not be happier about that. And again, I grew up with a person who lived, my dad lived, breathed cars. I knew, I, I always appreciated the interior of a car and what it brought to the table. I couldn't be happier about this. This is good news to me. And I don't think they're going to sacrifice the modern conveniences with this either. I think they'll still be, these will still be very smart cars. I think you have more AI and stuff. But I love the fact that the knobs and buttons are returning. And that is my good news. Uh, great things are happening here for the week. I'm, I am thrilled about that. Now, I'd love Lexus to do that. If Lexus kind of gets on board with this, I'll be really happy because I'm a Lexus guy. Mm -hmm. Lexus still kept some nice button knobs in their cars, they didn't totally go. Bad. I have a Toyota. There's a lot of I, I do have touchscreen, but there's a lot of knobs still. Trust me. Yeah, I, I don't have a, I have the joystick in the Lexus. My wife has the touchscreen. She has the Prius. So we are Lexus Toyota family, and we're very much so. Um, you know, I rent a lot of cars, and, and look, I think the touchscreens they don't look bad, but I do like for example, I love the fact that I have an analog clock. I my old Lexus had this one doesn't. I love the analog clock in my Lexus. I loved it. It just had a nice look to it. It looked really regal. You know, the digital things are nice and all that. Um, I love a speedometer with the gauge. I don't really, you know, the digital thing doesn't really do it for me. I, I love the gas tank, the same thing, the gas gauge. You know, I love those types of things. So I'm, I'm ha I am happy as a clam to hear about this. Nice. Yeah. So I'm happy. This is, this is a, um, and apparently, there's going to be the one car to look at is the uh, 2024 Hyundai Kona. My son's actually a big Hyundai guy. Timmy, uh, he's he's had some really good Hyundais. The Kona is going to have these nice buttons. So I'm really looking forward to see what these are going to look like. So great news to that. Um, um, you know, another thing is it's interesting. I do think the one thing I will say, um, I, said, I heard the one thing I'll say that's not good news in this segment, but I just want to mention it. Um, General Motors says the newer models will be incompatible with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. Listen, Apple CarPlay is the best one out there. And uh, if you're not using, like, that's the one thing I don't have in my car is Apple CarPlay compatibility. But I've rented enough cars. It's the best out there of any of those car things. You said GM's getting rid of it? GM's getting rid of it, they said. That's stupid. I think it's a big mistake. I think Apple CarPlay. 
How GM making a mistake? I mean, we've never seen that before. No, right? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I, I look. I favor all. I favor all the buttons and things and that, as opposed to the touch screens. But I don't. I think there's some good technology, and I think some of the one of the best pieces of technology in an automobile has been the Apple CarPlay. It's just a great application. Um, but you, it does work with a touch. It is more touchscreen compatible the way it works. So, and my Lexus doesn't have it. It has a joystick, which I like the joystick. It, it really looks nice, my joystick. And actually, it's funny. The joystick has been replaced by a touchpad in the newer Lexuses. But I love the joystick. The joystick was always cool. Um, Mike uh, Mike Toss says that he's, he's uh, speaking of GM, uh, drives a caddy, apparently, and it still has an analog clock. So Love it. Yeah. My so, dad so, was, GM, so GM uh, hasn't screwed up everything. Just, no. My dad always had to have an analog clock in his car. He, he, go, I mean, even when he was getting cars when he was older. He embraced a lot of the new technology, but he... He said, he said that analog clock just looks really, really regal. He would just say that to me. No, uh, it does. Yeah, it yeah. does. It does. It, it's, uh, you know, it's why I will never get an Apple Watch. I hate the way the Apple Watch looks. I'm, I'm in the, I'm, I'm shop, I'm watch shopping right now, and I'm telling you, I'm not getting an Apple Watch or a smartwatch. That will never happen. I've had a Fitbit for years, and it's just my wife loves a Fitbit. I get it. Um, but uh, I, but, I think I, I, but yeah, I'm not doing it for style though. Yeah, the, so the, I think I mentioned the Rolex was ruled out. It was a little ex- too expensive for me, guys. So I, <laughs> but it'll be a nice watch when I get see, it. See if see if see if uh, see if Carlito can get you a hublot. <laughs> right, <laughs> I'll be cool, Carlito, on that. All right, so Bear, what do you got this week? Um, well, I, I just want to just kind of touch on the, the the car thing and stuff i think it's interesting like you're talking about like today like i thought my my steering wheel control was going out because the, the volume on my radio was going out and i had to use the knob god forbid right. and i was like man i haven't touched this knob and i never use the one on the pro. steering wheel that's what's funny you say that yeah so it's it, it was really kind of funny um but yeah, can, uh, I, can i add one more thing before i'm sorry to interrupt you sure i remember when you'd replace the steering wheel in your car Okay, so I've had cars where I would get the like dad. I remember would always replace steering wheels, right? Like, and he'd get these leather ones or these nice wood grain ones, and it was not an. You just pop the new steering wheel on. It was an easy thing to do. You can't do that today because these steering wheels are so integrated with the whole operation of the car. Yeah, yeah. So interesting. Yeah. All right, Barrett, go ahead. What do you got? Well, just one last comment on GM. You know, like like we talked about them making mistakes. You know, I mean. You know, they let's I mean, Tummer being just one of them, but Pontiac being another uh, in general. But I can't dad, believe doing that. Pon- That's, my dad loved Pontiac, though. And with all respect, with all respect to the to the, the late Mr. Cooper. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, when he the Pontiac, he goes with 53s. His 53 Pontiac was his pride and joy. I, so I, I think he knew Pontiac. Look, I actually had this conversation with my dad years ago. General Motors and General Cigars are very similar. You could just look at them. <laughs> they both use the name General, but they've had similar types of things. Hmm. Yeah, they have similar roadmaps. Great technology on General and great innovation, but they just can't seem to get around their own way sometimes. Yeah. Yep. But but maybe we can turn Justin around and have him in, put some Apple CarPlay into some boxes. Yeah, Justin, uh, here you go. Apple CarPlay cigar, Justin. Diesel. There you go. Diesel, if you're looking for something, yeah. 
No, my, mine's a little, I love stories like this in general. It, it, you know, I've had a couple yep. of stories about community over the, yep. over the last couple of years when we've done yep. this segment. And I, I really liked this and this is really cool. I mean, it, it ties in a lot of history. So Ernest Horsfall is a World War II, II veteran um, and he's 105 years old and he recently turned 105. He's been alive to see 27, he's, he's British, he's been alive to see 27 prime ministers and five British monarchs in his lifetime. And we think about like how long he's been alive because again, Queen Elizabeth reigned for so long, but yeah, he's, was a lo- he was alive during her father's reign, her uncle's reign, and her grandfather's reign. And, and now, you know, he's still alive and so obviously her son so um pretty crazy how long he's been around but he's a this ex-serviceman has outlived his entire family he has no family left oh my goodness Um, wow yeah it's it's really really sad so but on his 105th birthday um he received over three thousand birthday cards from kind-hearted strangers so oh that's beautiful well, well wishers from uh from all over the world, actually, uh, after the Royal British Legion called for the brave ex-serviceman to, uh, to be honored for his landmark birthday, he opened all the cards and he said he was looking forward to spending time with his girlfriend. He has a girlfriend who's 63. Oh, wow, in a cradle. Yeah, and uh, she's from Iceland. Uh, and they celebrated their special day together. And he said he was really surprised and amazed at the number of greeting cards that came his way. Um, and uh, he was born in Bradford, uh, West Yorkshire, in 1918. Three, three weeks after the Royal Air Force was formed. This is what's cool about a lifetime, Coop. Yeah, like, this guy is like, see, yeah. This guy's going to see you, another you, moon, moon landing maybe in a few been, months. Yeah, exactly. So you make you make... You make jokes about your age all the time, right? Like you mentioned, like no one was alive yep. in 1976. Uh, but like, like you're 55. Yep. And the what the what you've seen in the world during your lifetime, what I've seen in my it'll be 40 years later this year. Yeah. It's unbelievable. 105 years. He was married for 57. He had a son and a sister, but they've all passed away now. And yeah, three thousand cards. He doesn't look just, a day. I mean, I have his picture. But he, this guy doesn't look a day over sixty. I mean, I gotta be honest with you. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't look very old. No, it's probably why he snagged a sixty-three-year-old girlfriend. God, oh, God bless him, man. Um, wow, that's a, that's a great story there. And you know, like I said, now we're talking about World War II veterans with cent, you know centurions. It, it's it's hard to. I I remember growing up talking to World War One veterans. Yeah. So I mean, that's just you know. It's you know now I don't think there's any obviously I don't think there's any World War One veterans alive right there's I think they're all passed at this point. Wow, I, God, th- there might be one or two left, but yeah, um, yeah, more than likely not. I think they're all wow. gone now. Wow, it's crazy, I'm unbelievable. Uh, so that's good. We got some good stuff with our tobacco USA. Great things are happening here segment. Um. So before we get into um our um well, our cigar stuff, well, we have more cigar stuff, guys. Um, I want to mention Michael's Tobacco. With just over a decade of ownership, Michael's Tobacco has become the premier tobacconist for the Dallas Fort Worth metro area and cigar patrons the world over. 
with two convenient locations in Euless, just a quick jump from the DFW Airport and Keller, Texas. Michael's Tobacco stands as a beacon for the Texas cigar retailers. Michael's was the very first cigar lounge in the state of Texas to add a full bar to its list of ever-growing accommodations. Writer Mike Peacock is a former IPCR board member and now has made Michael's a family fair by having his son Bob join the ownership force. Together, they have brought a true and blessed mainstay for their respective communities. Whether you're celebrating an anniversary, birthday, hole-in-one, and just a desire to relax, Michael's Tobacco will have the perfect cigar waiting with an exquisite bezard pairing and lively conversation. Visit michaelstobacco.com for more details and a calendar of upcoming events. Michael's Tobacco, not just a cigar shop, but the perfect blend of Texas hospitality and the days of yore. All right. A couple of things bear to wrap up. Um, I have one timely thing, and then we'll kind of go back and do some retrospective thing uh, to wrap up. So do you know Tor Campbell at all? Course. Okay. Tor Campbell used to have Cigar Smoke. Um, good friend of the show. I've known him a long time. Um, avid Dodgers fan, you know. Avid Dodgers. The guy's a loyal Dodgers fan. Buck the Dodgers in honor of Ben Lee. So. But, but, yeah, but listen, this guy, when the Dodgers suck, he's he's there. He's he's there. Oh, no. no Tor, Tor's a good Tor's fan. A, yeah. And him, David Jones, legitimate baseball fans with the team thicker than they've had more success, obviously, lately. But I remember when they weren't good. Um, went to Las Vegas this week and he came back with a a couple of things he messaged me uh, yesterday and I think he posted this as well but he messaged me and he said um, hey there's some changes happening in, in Vegas you need to know about with smoking and there were two things he talked about the first thing is he talked about uh, the sports book at the Mirage which he knows and I know has always been a place I'd smoke at because we've talked about this over the years. Um, no more. You can't smoke at the sports book anymore. Oh, crazy. Yeah. And uh, like I said, he, he's the one who guided me to, the, to stay at the Mirage. This is for not PCA stuff. So that sports book area was always a place I'd go smoke, right? So he said that. But the second thing is, and this is maybe a little more of interest to people, is he said um, there is no more smoking on the outside patio at Casa Fuente. So Casa Fuente is in the Caesars uh, shops Mall. area. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a you can go in the store, you can smoke in the store, but they had this patio area that, that kind of protruded out into the mall that you could smoke at too. And he said no more smoking at the patio area. And every by the way, he said anyone in the store had to buy a cigar too. Um, which I kind of understand that, right? I thought that was a requirement yeah, anyway. Yeah. So I'm going to give fake Alan Rubin some credit. He actually, I actually mentioned this. He called up Casa Fuente and he confirmed this. He because he was just wondering. I think we were just wondering, right, if it was um, true or not. And Alan came back and said, "Yeah, they they changed it, right?" Jeez. So this is my question to you, Bear. How long have you been going to Vegas for? My first trip to Vegas was uh, in 2008, um, and then I didn't come, 2008, went again in 2009, didn't go back again until IPCPR uh, 2018. Okay. So, um, and then 2018, 2019, 21, 22, and then we'll be going again. You've been there a few times, right? Sure. So I, I actually went, my first trip to Vegas was in 2000. But I've been to Vegas almost every year since 2003 for either uh, cigar stuff or non-cigar stuff. Mm-hmm. 
My question to you is you look back over your first time in Vegas versus today. How hard is it now to smoke in Vegas? Oh, it's incredibly hard. I my my goal, I remember when I first went to Vegas, my goal, my wife will tell you, my goal was to light a cigar when I stepped outside the airport and not stop smoking until I got back to the airport right. a few days later. Right. And I did. I I, I mean, I, ver- I almost did. Like I, I, I was smoking constantly. It yeah. was fantastic. I speaking of the Caesars mall, even back then, this was, you know, you know, you know, 15 years ago now, um, I got yelled at, but I didn't care. And he didn't really stop me. He just told me to, you can't smoke in here. I was like, whatever, it's Vegas. I can do what I want. And I just kept walking and smoking. And that was the end of it. Yeah. So yeah, a lot's changed. Like you can't <laughs> smoke, you know, anywhere, only in special sections and casino floors. Like, like you can't walk around with a cigar anymore. It's crazy. I want to hit the casino floor thing for a second. Okay. Cause this is, I think an important point. This is, I, cause I got some pushback on this, right? Well, you could smoke on the casino floor in a lot of casinos. That is, to me, that's a cigarette option. It is not a cigar option. Do you, I, I mean, I don't know how to There's no other way to say it. If you need to get a quick cigarette, I get you go on the casino floor. Maybe you put a few quarters in the slot machine, right? Or just maybe you, you, uh, you loiter, right? And hopefully they don't catch you. But usually by the time you're done with your cigarette, no one's going to care. But if you're taking a cigar, which is a 90, maybe a 60 to 90 minute experience at, at a minimum, right? Let's say 60. I don't think the casino floor is an option at all. Unless you're just heavy duty into gambling. And at that point, I think you're not getting a cigar experience. You're just smoking for the sake of smoking. Oh, absolutely. There, I could tell you that even well, now I want to look at PCA or IPCPR. I could tell you that when I went to my first IPCPR in Vegas, it was 2011. Wasn't really hard to like. We'd have the after-hours events. Most of them were held at at clubs in Vegas or uh, a couple of rooftops we've had. Now it's that is no longer the case. We're lucky if we get a patio at um, the Venetian, like we had with Guy Fieri. But remember, we couldn't take the cigars inside. Yeah. Right. So we, we're lucky if we get that. Um, you just don't have this. I mean. Even some of the lounges, like the bars, which you could, um, some of them are non-smoking. Some of them, like Bar Lucas, put table minimums in there of $50. It is not an easy thing to do anymore to go have a – and I think Tor is seeing this firsthand. He's out there, and he he, he actually I think ended up going – unfortunately, he loved going to Casa Fuente. He ended up going to the Monte Cristo bar just because he couldn't get – I think he couldn't get table at – or I think his wife doesn't smoke. And I think that was the issue, like why he, he didn't want to buy a cigar, which ain't cheap there. So I think he ended up going, taking her to the Monte Cristo Lounge instead. It, it is absolutely, if you think that Vegas is, is, is an easy place to smoke, it's not the worst place to smoke, but it's not an easy place to smoke anymore. All the events yeah. we go to, off, off the, now the after hours events are outdoors, on the, like off the strip. It's it's a hundred. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was gonna say outdoors too. Yeah, it'll be forty-seven degrees next year. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I remember a couple years back. Um, I think this was nineteen. 
2019 La Polina. I went to a dinner hosted by La Polina. I remember you went that night. Yeah, we were doing something else that night, but you went with your crew that night. Yeah. And, you know, we wanted to have a cigar afterwards. And, yeah, we had to go outside. Uh, there was no option inside. It was just, it was just crazy. Yeah. Uh, Stogie Santa and I, we had trouble one year. The last year he went. I think this was, like, the year before you came. And, like, we just, like, the the friggin' circle bar at the time was packed. We just could we 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 didn't feel like walking over to Caesars because we knew it was gonna be packed there. The Davidoff Lounge was packed. We ended up going outside the Venetian and smoking. And it was ninety something degrees that night. We I remember we were smoking. And like we're like, oh, so what cool. the, and we're like what are we doing here? We're standing outside with two cigarette smokers. Um because again like we can't go in the casino. The casino floor is not an option. You can't sit there and have like that converse, conversational type of thing on a casino floor. You just cannot do that unless you're gambling. They don't want people on the casino floor loitering around. I've heard you could walk around the casino floor. I don't want to walk around the casino floor with a cigar. That's, that's not enjoyable to me, after, especially after being on a trade show floor all day. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just, I think it's, I mean, I think what I'm alarmed by what I'm seeing happen in Vegas right now. I am very alarmed. Uh, yeah, I mean, I couldn't yeah. believe I couldn't believe when New Orleans went non-smoking, and then you know when with Vegas going, it's yeah. I you know, look, I I I understand that not everybody wants to be around smokers. I get that. Right. I right. really do. I and I can appreciate it. Um, I I think that you know the fact that restaurants have done away with smoking, you know, having it like they having their own section and stuff was. I, look, I remember. I, look, I remember. My dad smoked cigarettes growing up. I yeah. remember going to restaurants with smoking and non-smoking sections, and my dad would all we would always spit in non-smoking sections, and I could never smell the cigarette smoke. Cigarette smoke, I could never smell it, and I knew what that smelled like because I mean I lived with it. So like it, I don't know, man. It's one of those things. Is I just I. I don't I don't understand why it's become such a terrible option and especially in a city like Vegas who you know wants to include a lot of people and I understand that they want to make it even more welcoming yep. and everything but yep. like there Vegas is big enough and there's enough space indoor and outside to have opportunities to yep. for both of us to coexist yeah in in relative peace and harmony, like I I I uh, I don't get it. You know, it's, J- it's tragic. Yeah, Jay made a couple comments. He's saying he couldn't get a smoke a smoking room this year. Um, and oh. um, the other thing is, um, he thinks it's going to be smoke free, and I'm I'm not thinking he's far off on this. I know it sounds crazy. I don't know if we'll be. You know, I think we'll be. We got some time still, but I I think the beginning of the end is coming with this. I, I do, and you know, I think one thing—the eight lounge that we went to last year—that was a—that was a nice surprise to me in Vegas. Yeah, and that was a bump and party, but it still was intimate and nice and comfortable. And it, we we lucked out with those seats we got. I mean, it was just we were kind of on the periphery, and Lazuka came over and hung with us. You know, and he, he's hosting the party. Um, we had those. We all had the couches that night. I mean, we had that ring of couches, which was great. Um, yeah. And you know that's kind of you know, but but those get those those 
it gets crowded. I mean, it gets very crowded. We looked out that we had our group there, and we were able to kind of do it. But yeah. So um, I, I, I'm, I am very concerned what I'm seeing. Now, the thing is this. I've always been on the side, and I've kind of understood Glenn Loop's position on this, that, hey, we private business has to have the right to do what they're doing, right? Sure. But, but And I, I agree 100% with him, right? And, and very rarely will I cover a private smoking ban on Coop. Um, there's a couple of times I did, right? But I, I think I did the when I did my article about getting harder to smoke in Vegas. This is six years ago. Um, it, it you know now it's worse than that, but uh, that was one example. But in general, I think it um, it's something that um, you know, I I stayed away. But however, I encourage people like, you know, give your feedback on this. You know, give you a few saying, hey, I'm not staying here anymore or whatever, you know. Um, you know, like, I, I rarely have walked back into a Starbucks when they did what they did. Like, mm-hmm. it's not like a Starbucks coffee. It's just like, I'm not going to give my business um, to this anymore. You know, they don't, they don't clearly, that, you ha- we have to kind of, I think that's the way you got to kind of force it back. But I see too many people get complacent on this and they just, well, oh, well, it's just another thing we go, you know, and I think, I don't think we, I think we've been too complacent on that over the years. Well, yeah, I mean, we've talked about it several times on this show, Coop. I think yeah. it's, you know, it, 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 my one of my biggest problems over the years about smoking fans, I go back to this because it's just so goddamn yeah. offensive, is the city of New York, you know, and you live there for years. And so you know this, yeah. like buildings have hundreds, if not thousands of tenants. And all an individual has to do Okay. These are private homes. Okay. Yeah. It's the same as the standalone sing, you know, single, you know, single family home that you own and that I own. Yep. It's the same concept. It's private homes. All it all a person has to do, one person among thousands of tenants, you go down to City Hall, you fill out two sheets of paper, and that building is now non-smoking. You don't have to own the building. You don't even have to be you don't even have to own the place that you're living. You can just be a tenant. You can just be someone who rents or leases. Yep. And you can turn a bill, an entire building non-smoking. A person cannot smoke in their private home. Coop, that's wrong. Oh, no, I agree. I I completely agree. Um, and that's the world we're coming to. When we covered, when we covered the city of Dayton and, and remember what they their their smoking ban on city employees yeah. not being able to use tobacco products basically creating a hotline a tip line to yeah. rat out city employees i mean how dangerous things like that is like forget look i understand like people wanting to protect the public the interest of public health blah 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 blah, blah right and i understand like okay yes it's a like you said private business you can go and you know like when when apple when the app store did their answer? You know, you and I talked about this too on this show. You and I again said that sucks, but Apple has a right to do what they have a right to do. They have, yeah, yeah. and but the city of Dayton is not private. It's a public, no, that's it's a public institution. You're working for the government, and and I have the right to, I have the right as an individual to work, yes, wherever I want, but I also have the right to do in my home what I, as I wish. As long as I am not endangering anybody and as long as I'm not disobeying the law and tobacco is still legal in the city of Dayton. 
in the state of Ohio, an adult can purchase it. If you are 21 years or older, you can purchase it and consume it legally. Yep. I mean, that's uh, and that's why I would always say, too, I've never had a problem with PCA and CRA. I'll say, you know, not pushing on these private ones as much. These are these are big things they're talking about. Yeah, that's a big thing. That's that's where they we need to be putting the energy as far as smoking bans go. So I totally understand that. Um, I I totally get get what what's what where they're putting the energy there with that. Um, the uh, Mike Taus was just saying. Um, I just lost his comment. He had a good one. I'm sorry, Mike. Uh, Oh, Churchill Downs. You could still smoke at Churchill Downs. I hope that continues. I'm going to the Formula One race this weekend. I'll be at the uh, qual. I'm going to be at the Saturday qualifying. Nice. But I'm hoping I can smoke cigars there. I don't know what the policy is. Um, because I'm going to be in a pavilion area. I'm not going to be in a grandstand. So, um, I'm hope I'm hoping I get the smoke there. I'm going to take some cigars. I haven't been able to get an answer on it. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I'm I'm going to take some. I think Padron's going to be there somewhere. Oh, cool. I've heard, but I have I can't confirm that or deny it. But, but yeah, I'll be there Saturday. Um, so uh, we'll see what happens with that. I'll, I'll report back on that at the next show for sure. Sounds so, good. Yeah, but yeah, it's. I think you know the Vegas thing. It's. It, it, I think it's a big thing. I think adult playground. We've always said and this. I think it's very alarming what I've seen there, and it's and it's not the same as it was in fifteen years ago. I, I can tell you that straight. So- not. So again, this this is I go back to this. So you're not going to like one of these comparisons because I've heard you talk about it. Like why okay. we always compare. But the other thing too um, is okay. So in Las Vegas, it is not only it is not only allowed; it is encouraged to be publicly intoxicated. I, I yeah, that I that I agree. I mean, that's wrong. So. I have public intoxication. For- public intoxication it runs rampant in the city of Vegas, which it runs rampant honest, in society. Is, it runs rampant in society, though, if you think about it. But, yeah, but especially in a place like Las Vegas, yeah, that is much more dangerous and much more unhealthy. I, I, agree. I agree. Than enjoying a cigar or tobacco products, if someone is dipping and has a spit cup, for example, whether uh-huh. whether you whether you you know whether that's your thing or right. not. And whether you're not, you find it like uncouth or not. How is that? How is that worse than someone who can't even stand up and is falling all over themselves, falling into oncoming traffic or whatever, yeah. or making a fool of themselves, groping another individual, being hostile to other individuals because they're intoxicated? How is that better? Oh, I, someone, I please someone someone please no, explain not, it to it's me. It's not. And you know, I've been very public on this whole the cigar industry seems sometimes to embrace this. Cigar cigar podcasts have embraced this. Where, oh, I had a great show. So and so was slammed. You know, you know my feeling on that. That's not a good show, in my opinion. It, you you want to laugh? I'm I'm not saying it's not funny, but but yeah, I mean, Blair, I agree hundred percent on this one. I'm on, I mean, I'm on board and, with this one, and and it's unfortunately and, I think it's a society thing. It's not a cigar industry thing. It's not a Vegas thing, but Vegas is the adult playground. So, 
So again, and but so okay, so and here's another one, right? The use of cannabis dispensaries all over the place, you know, edibles and everything. So you can you can be high. You can be high in Vegas, and that's fine, right? Yep. And like this is this is this goes back to like a lot of my arguments on the show over the years have been the same thing. Like you can't pick and choose like this you can't yep. you, it 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 doesn't work yeah pro like prohibition on 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 micro levels does not work like you, you you we can argue about the validity of meth the legalization of marijuana and cannabis i'm not here to like no to that's a, that yeah, to, i'm not I here agree. to have that debate it's legal in vegas i get it so fine it's legal in vegas so partake if you want that's great that's your thing you're an adult you can make that decision i should be able to enjoy a cigar I'm sorry. Like, I agree. I that I agree with you on. And so you, you picking and choosing like that is very dangerous. This, it's the same thing with Tobacco 21. You can't in this country. You shouldn't be allowed. We should not be allowed to govern who is an adult for certain periods of times in their life for one thing, but not for the other. You can't be an adult at 18 and still be not be able to do things. You can't do it. If you're an adult at 21, then you're an adult at 21, and then everything should be an adult at 21. Alcohol, gun ownership, insurance, owning a home, smoking, you know, smoking tobacco, smoking weed, all that stuff. It should be T. It should be T. It should T21 should be 21. An adult should be yep. 21 for everything. If yep. You're an adult for 18. You're an adult at 18. Voting, everything, yep. everything should be the same thing. Yep. If you're an adult, you're an adult. Oh God, that was one of the biggest feuds I had with Abe on that one. I'm not gonna go revisit that again with oh, Abe. Oh, I know. Like him and I had a degree to yeah, disagree he's, on that's it. That's like, the one I mean, Abe's that's the one thing I just completely disagree with. No, Abe. but him him and I agreed on that point. Like he like he said, like I mean, he said what he said and he still doesn't think it's that big of a deal and like everything, and that's fine. But yeah, but he said but he that's did the part say, I disagreed on. Yeah, that's the part I disagreed he, on. He did say that he's like he, he the biggest problem that he has is that he he should just make it. An adult and is an adult, so like that's where we that's where we came to common ground. That that and that part I agree with. Yeah, he would. Yeah, I mean we've this show. I mean over the years, I think one of the things was we have been emphatic on the whole tobacco twenty one thing, and and what we think the I don't think we've seen the repercussions yet of this, but we're starting to. Well, I, from I generational can't, smoking bans is just I, giving that. Yeah. Idea the, the reason I'm so passionate about it is I came to the issue very late, Coop, because by yeah. the time by the time it started entering like social social and popular discussion, like right. I was past the age of 21, and at first it didn't matter to me, right? So it's like anything else in life. If it doesn't apply to you, you don't care. Yep. If someone said, "Hey, we're increasing," like for us right now, if someone increased the voting age to 30, you and I wouldn't give a shit. In gen- speaking generally. Right? Because we're both over 30, it doesn't apply to us. Yeah. Okay. I guess. Sure, I, I get not? what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So, but that's when I, when I, but it's, it's, it's systematically, there's just a, there's, there's so many things wrong with it, which is yep. why I've been so passionate and adamant about it over the years is because I came to, I came to it very late and it was a very much, it was a very stark realization what they were doing because yeah. it wasn't, they weren't stopping. I realized they weren't stopping. You're not stopping at 21. We've said this before. They're not yeah. stopping at 25. No. They want. They want to completely eradicate tobacco. 
from public consumption. They want to yeah. make it illegal. And, and these um these generational smoking bans, like I think they failed in a couple of states already. They're going to be back every year. You watch. They're not going to, and there's going to be more of them next year. And some, some municipality is going to pass it. You watch. And I think you got to look at, I think you look at New York and LA. Those are the cities I'd look at. New, I should say New York and all of California. Those are the ones I look at. Because if one of those fall, like I knew the day New York went to Tobacco 21, I said the dominoes will start to fall. And they did. I called that. That's when I called. Because I remember people saying, oh, it's not a big deal. You know, but yeah, why? So, so yeah, and it's, uh, yeah. So, um, and it happened, the thing, the, the nature in which it happened, Coop, was just awful. It was well, very, what? it was very underhanded. It was very quick. It was overnight. It was literally overnight. And it showed, it was overnight. And it shows how, how a fine line can be drawn in this industry. Like we could, yeah. And that's why these court cases are so important. They're so important. And, uh, you know, and, and we, you know, we said it, Last, I think we said this on the last show. These petitions, I know we're petitioned out. I, you got to sign these petitions. That's going to be, I'm petitioned out as much as anyone else's. Um, you have to sign when 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 you get a call to action for a petition, you need to I've sign signed hundreds. Yeah. I've signed yeah. hundreds. I sign every year. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, it takes it, five it, seconds. It takes and- five seconds, right? Um, yeah, you have to do it. I mean, it's just. You know, there's, there's one out there right now on the whole um, tobacco manufacturing. I I hear people, well, you know, this is not really a bad thing. Uh, you know, you know, I'm like, well, listen, I when I remember we did the show and I was saying there when I started seeing the words traceability and I'm like, I had nightmares back to my FDA uh, days with clinical trial software. And I said, shit, they're, they're, it, it's look, this stuff is a nightmare for pharmaceuticals, but they have a lot of money. They could do this, right? Imagine what it's going to be for these small companies. I, I think, yeah. You know, these people, eh, it's not a big deal. Because I, you know, it's like, come on. Get with the pro. All right. So that was there. That was, I just wanted to, I thought it was a good topic to revisit the Vegas thing this week. You know, we're getting close to the trade show. And I think, well, it's something we should look at this year as a team when we're out there. Um, I mean, Ben, we're going to have to figure a very strategic strategy for Ben, Aaron, you and the Casa Fuente visit is going to have to be very strategically planned this year. Um, so we're going to figure that out and we'll get back to, you know, we may end up smoking somewhere else this year. I hope it's not. Casa Fuente is something we love to do. So, uh, yeah. but there, we're, we're, we're at the six year mark, right? Um, and, you know, look, we, this show formed, uh, it was a concept I had. It came along much quicker than I expected. Um, we we've talked about how you and I met. You you were doing the Michaels videos, and uh, I remember you were doing the Hall of Fame video. And uh, you asked me about doing a show on Hall of Famers. I said, "Great, come on." Your first show, you were actually a guest host, and uh, basically, hey, you want to do this? And the rest was history. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I, you know, you got you got drafted into this, uh, but yeah, uh, but there's a lot of things we've done over the years with this show, um, and I kind of want to just maybe 
you know, we, we've done, we don't do this every year. I know we didn't do it last year with the five-year show because we had Pete and George on. But I thought we kind of look back at some of the shows we've done over the years and, uh, you know, kind of just take a, take a checkpoint on where we're at with some of this and some of the memories, the good and the bad and the ugly. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's a lot of, I only think there was one ugly thing we had. You keep saying that. I think I know what you're talking about. I, but it was, that was, that was some of the, that was some of the most fun dialogue that we've ever had on the show. And I, I just remember. That was the Bellady show, right? Or was it the Jared? You're talking about about Bellady and Jared, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I forget who was the guest that night. If it was Bellity. Bellity was, Bellity was the guest. Bellity was the guest. I thought so. Jared wanted to pop on. It's the first time and only time probably you'll ever bring on a spur of the moment guest in the middle of a show. So Jared Trudeau comes on of Christoph Cigars. And um, the they, came, the they came just, they just, they, they just took off with this amazing. See, you think it came off the rails. There was just this amazing banter between them. Um, both New England cats, like just going to town on like profanity laced insults, swapping stories, and I man, I was there for man, I was there for it, man. It was I was I was all about it, man. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I know you. I, I, I know. I know. Plug. I was sitting there. I couldn't wait to pull the plug that night on that show. I know you. I know. Yeah. I loved it, man. I I was like I said, I was there for it. I loved it. I I really enjoyed it for for what it was and everything i'm like i'm not ready to do it ever again uh i think it's one of those like unique things that you just capture in a moment and just kind of need to realize and like you recognize like the 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 pitfalls a little bit of it but it was it was fun man i really enjoyed it um um and hey i rain i rain those guys in a couple of times so you know uh i have i have i have a flair for reining in crazy people so i I could tell uh, you the date was March 31st, 2020. So we were just in the pandemic starting. Yeah. But what was happening there is the the show was turning into a herf. And there was so many herfs out there. And at the time when all these herfs were going on, we were we were competing with them, but we weren't competing with them. I just didn't think we needed to be another herf that night. Right? I just thought we have a formula that's been very successful in this show. And like this thing's coming off. I, I, I don't disagree with what you were saying in terms of, but I couldn't wait. I was like, this is not the direction I want to go in with this. Um, so, I, I, like I said, it was a very, it was a very unique experience. And I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad to a certain extent it happened. Like I said, I'm not in a hurry to ever do it again. Um, but it was, it was fun. I enjoyed it. So, um, but I know you were miserable, so I'm glad it ended at some point. I was miserable. I, I was like, I, I was like, uh, I, you ever want, you ever see the hook? Like, I wanted to hook those guys, like, off the stick. What they used to do when someone was on the stage, you didn't want, I wanted to hook those guys. Now, I love both those guys, and Jared's been on shows with us since. And Belvedere, I think, has done maybe one of the show. Obviously, he's not in the business really much anymore. So he's got to, but, you know, he'd be welcome back, you know, as far as, you know, being in the business goes. But, um, but yeah, it was a, um, it was a, that was the one ugly moment I had <laughs> in bed. I'll put bad slash ugly. Cause otherwise I don't think I have many that we've, we've had. Well, I mean the other, ugly, I mean, ugly moment really, but it was, it was just a moment of triumph in a lot of ways was the, I mean, was the show that you did, 
uh, sick and you didn't even know it. I mean, really, you didn't know. I mean, that was in a lot of ways, the Omar DeFrias interview uh, right before you went into the hospital coop was, you know, a disaster in some instances. You weren't, you know, you said you weren't 100 percent, but you hosted a great show that night and you went into the hospital shortly after that. And, um, you know, um, I'm so grateful that you're okay and you recovered and um but that also that also brought again you know out of the ashes of disaster quote unquote you you, we we found a this wonderful you you found this wonderful charity and sepsis alliance that you've partnered with over the you know and we've partnered with over the last few years and uh, we've been able to raise a lot of awareness for something that you endured and and uh you know it's you know you know, I'm so, you know, in a, in a lot of ways, I'm grateful for, for that, for that, you know, horrible, horrible moment. Um, but, um, it, it really, it really kind of paved the way for, for something a lot, a lot better and a lot brighter. And, and, uh, so I'm, I'm grateful for it, but it was, uh, yeah, man. I mean, it was, it was a scary time for those who knew you and, and, uh, and I'm just, you know, obviously so glad that you're here with me today and celebrating six years and, and uh you know talking about it so it's one of those things no yeah and, and no thank you bear i really appreciate the kind words on that um that was special edition 43 on uh november 20th 2018 all my friends was the guest i went on that show i had a 102 degree fever i had not been able to shake this fever for days and days and i i did not want to cancel the show you kind of were trying to maybe steer me to cancel the show you know you're right i said yeah i'm all right I felt great during that show. I ain't going to lie to you. I felt, for most of that show, I felt good. I kind of got this adrenaline going. Um, you know, I talked about my former co-host, Gary Layden on Smooth Drawers. He did a show a few days before he died. And it was his best show. And he, he was very sick at that point. We didn't realize how, he, was, he went in the hospital like the next couple of days and he never got out. Um, but he got that, you get that adrenaline rush sometimes with it. Um, so yeah, it wasn't uh, a pretty, I, mean, I look back and, I was a mess that night, and even when I look at what I was asking, I wasn't a hundred percent. I could see it, um, but yeah, that was um, lemons to lemonade. I'll say because we we've, we've been able to do some great, uh, you know, fundraising, and you know, with with you know, we we do this forceps alliance. I'm not partnered with them by any means, but I think people who have contributed. There's some people who made some significant contributions, and I think are very surprised when they get a phone call from the uh, head of the organization because it's a very much a small charity. So I know people have felt really good when they gotten those calls. I know I did when I got it. Um, and and they're not these are not people donating thousands of dollars. Okay, these people donating maybe a hundred or so is what I'm saying. But they they called and it was it was you felt like you felt like wow they're calling me and thanking me and, and this is the ain't some administrator it's the president or CEO calling. So uh, there was a, there was a bad there is a bad I had but again this was a bad I think that spun into something good. Um, a special edition 55, June 11th, 2019. We got Al McAuliffe on the show that night. Oh, yeah. And we had the the microphone issue with him that night. Mm-hmm. It was hard. The microphone issue was horrible. I felt bad for them. But I actually think that kind of opened the door with us with McAuliffe after that. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, we kind of built at the time Trey was there. And then, you know, afterwards, Dan came in. Because they were very, they, they, they felt bad. They felt bad on that. You know, but I said I had to take responsibility saying it's still my show. You know, 
uh, it was a great interview, but but his mic wasn't working great that night. Um, yeah. so, but again, I, I, I think that was a lemons to lemonade type of thing we did. You know, uh, having Ernesto Perez Carrillo on with no video, you know, if, you know, I forgot kind of about that. Yeah. He had no video. That was, um, that was uh special season 31, May 21st, 2018. That was a one year show we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great interview. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, I mean, we're not celebrating prime time tonight, but I mean, it, uh, it, it, but it rivaled the uh, Ernesto Padillo interview while he was in a car with no video. You know, I know. he wants to come back on the show too. That, tell that was tell, not, that tell was him not in this car. Tried, he was driving over P- Key Biscayne with some woman in the car and completely. I had prepped him for the interview several hours early, and then he completely forgot about the interview. So yeah, it's all I'm gonna say. It's uh, hey, look. I'm not just saying this. It's on a recording. If you want to go back to primetime episode 38 on that one. Uh, the, uh, but there's a lot of other things. Uh, we, I know we haven't. There's another one. I, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm monopolizing him, but I'll give you. Um, special edition 89, December 8th, 2020. Uh, we had uh, planned the Davidoff Mount Rushmore show that night. And then Rafael Nadal called me up. And he said, "Hey, um, we want to, we want to come on and smoke. We want to be the we want to we're going to be the first ones to smoke the Monte Cristo 1935 publicly with anyone. We want to do it on your show." I called Barry. I said, "Barry, we have a unique opportunity. They're giving us the first shot. You'll like go for it." And we had on, I think it was Raphael and I want Jennifer to, True. Jennifer True, and we got the smoke the Monte Cristo 1935, which has become, you know, look that cigar's gotten tons of accolades. Um, a favorite of ours yeah. and we had that first shot and that was a great night we had with them we still did that with Mike Rushmore in the second half but uh yeah that's yeah. a great show yeah epic man epic yep holy yep. cow that car was fucking amazing that night yep. Jesus yeah I got some uh, more but I'll I'll kind of let me go kind of give you a shot because if you think I have some more, well, I want it wasn't know. it wasn't bad, but you know, reflectively looking back, it you know it's tragic and it's upsetting and stuff. But it it it's it's still be- it's beautiful in its own way. You know, the first interview that we ever did, you know, was oh. Gabe, Al- Gabe Alvarez of formerly of Casa Cuevas, and you know, obviously he's passed away. And um, Gabe was a longtime friend of both of ours, and we both had great we both had great affection for him. Um, and it was such a, it was such a great interview. And we were talking about this up and coming, this new brand that he was starting again. You know, he had had success with Coots. He had had success with Maya Selva and here he was doing it all over again. He was, he was starting all over again with another brand that, you know, great name behind it. Cuevas, you know, Las Lavas factory. Yep. Very, you know, very important and significant in the industry. And look what they've done. Now they've got another generation. Alec Cuevas is doing his thing. What a job he's done. Awesome. Yeah. And it's, it's got, it's come so far and so long. And, and, you know, it, it was, it was very fulfilling for me very early on to have the opportunity to interview Gabe because Gabe had, Gabe had done so much for me and he'd become a friend at that point. And, you know, I mean, I talked to him a couple of days before he passed away and, and, um, um, not a couple, I mean, a 
a couple weeks before he passed away and everything, but it was, um, I, I look back and, you know, I, you know, I follow Grace still and, and, uh, her, you know, her grieving journey and everything is she's, she's, she's tried to, she's tried to, you know, continue on with her life without her, uh, you know, her great love. And, you yeah. know, I mean, she gave birth to her, to their son a week after his death and, and, um, and to see that little boy, uh, you know, uh, you see Gabe in him and it's, you do. it's, it's crazy, man. It, you know, he was, he was such a, he was such a fantastic and generous soul, very kind, um, in a lot of ways you didn't, and, and no room for bulls, no room for bullshit with Gabe. And I, and I loved, I love that about him. You know, he, he told you how he felt always. Um, he didn't mince words. No, he um, was very direct. And, you know, something I think, you know, we both really appreciated about him and, uh, and, uh, but always thoughtful. I remember I did my first, my first top 10 and Casa Cuevas Maduro was number five that year. And it wasn't a week later, I got a package in the mail with an engraved box of Casa Cuevas Maduro with my logo that he created. He, he created that logo for also for more takes. People forget that. Yeah. yeah. I'll I will never change my logo because he created it. I I, I will know, never change my logo. I don't this may look, I'll say this. Grace has said to me, I don't know if it was the interview you and I did or if it was the one we did on Stogie Geeks with Gabe. Seth and I interviewed him on Stogie Geeks, but she has used those interviews to play for a daughter and show her, you know, show her dad. And I was really touched when she told me that. I don't, I don't want to say which show, I don't remember which show it was or she said, but she mentioned that. And I was, uh, you know, and this was a time I was grieving over my dad at the time. So we were, we were, we were conversing and she was very, very supportive. So, you know, I, I was always grateful for that. Um, that she even thought to do that. The other thing I'll say is that Gabriel opened the door Casa Cuevas has been a partner of ours uh, for a while now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was because of Gabriel. Um, yeah. The former sponsor of the studio. Yep. Um, uh, continued sponsor on Coop and a yep. great partner. Um, yeah. Well, always got- has been so, so wonderful. And, you know, that was made possible because of the relationship with Gabe. And it's, it's, it's kept up, you know. It's yeah. Great. It, they've been, uh, yeah. And I now to see Alec. I think you and I are very high on this Sangre Nueva. Um, and mm-hmm. got, we got a rare 90 on Coop. So, I mean, that was just a great, um, uh, yeah, I mean, that show, that was the first interview you and I did together. Yeah, that's right. That was the first interview we did. Yeah. And I think when, when we interviewed him on Stogie Geeks, Paul, my partner was out that night and, uh, Seth filled in. So Seth and I did the interview with Gabriel when he was with Coots. So, you know, nice. it's kind of a couple that was the first time I ever did an interview with Seth. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, second interview we ever did. I go back to this every year. I was still, I, I called it, I still call it my coming out party. Uh, my, my return to journalism after, you know, a decade hiatus, uh-huh. I did sports, I did sports broadcasting in college journalism yep. through high school and college. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, 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 inter- I had some tough interviews back in the day. I interviewed Bobby Knight at one point. Yep. You know, that was, that was entertaining. Um, um, pretty, you know, pretty sure he called me an idiot twice. Yep. Yep. I, can't <laughs> I probably did. You know, uh, 
Um, but uh, was Glenn Loop, you know, Glenn Loop, you know, for you know, at the time was executive director of 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 CRA, and uh, you know, he uh, he had some. He, he's always been a terrific guest. Always um, good sport because we beat him up, but you beat him up that night, man. <laughs> You yeah. guessed the top. No, you asked fair questions. You did, but the, yeah. And by the way, special edition five, June twenty seventh, two thousand seventeen. Yep. Yeah, he. Uh, um, yeah, he got he got he got a little bit of the wrath of bear that night. This is this is Glenn's response now. Every time we have him on a show, and I'm like, and I start the question like Glenn, and like I'm about to ask a question. He's like, oh boy. <laughs> he's uh, like, he just it's coming. Like he just knows it. He just knows it's coming now, and. uh <laughs> Um, look, he's done a fine. He did a fine. They miss him. Job they as miss the him. executive director he, of CRA. He CRA. I mean, his CRA's loss was PCA's gain. He's done a very nice job at PCA. Yeah, saying he's perfect, but we we've never said he's perfect. But but yeah, CRA has not been the same since he left. I I don't think he'd ever admit this. I think he enjoys his work a lot more now. I don't think he would ever admit that. I think he enjoys it. I, I think he enjoyed his time at CRA. I don't think he would like, I don't think he looks back on it poorly. I'm I, again, I'm not speaking for Glenn. This is me just being assumptive here. Um, and just kind of knowing Glenn a little bit over the years and seeing him. Yep. As ever, I think he, I, I, he looks like he's enjoying it a lot more. He, he just seems to, he just seems to have a lot more joy in his life. And I, it, being the executive director of CRA was tough, you know, it was tough on him. And, and he, he had to, he was a, you know, the executive director during, you know, during some pretty fucking dark days, man. Dark days. Oh, I mean, we thought, he, the, we, thought the, we thought the sky was falling, man. And, and he had to he had to see us through that. I, I, I And, you know, yeah, I, I beat him up on interviews. One, because that's his job. He can take it Two, it's fair because his impact on the industry with all just with all respect to the amazing guests that we've had over the years in a lot of ways is it, it's a different tone of seriousness it's a different tone of impact and and here and what i mean by that coop is like you know we can talk to a manufacturer and if they manufacture a cigar that's a dud then it's a dud and that's the end of it you know you know glenn messes up there's hell to pay not just from tough questions for me but like impact on the industry you know yep. people's way of life livelihoods are at stake it doesn't have an easy job and he's never had an easy job and i've always said he's done a good job not a great job that's always my that's always my closing line with them um because a great job would be you know you know a free pass for for cigar smoking everywhere and you know you know acceptance and you know taking away the deeming fda regulations completely and all this other stuff so like and that's never happened and it won't ever happen. So, yep. but he's done a good job and, and I've always appreciated him as a guest and, and, and what he does for our industry is, is, um, is terrific. And, uh, and that same breath too, jo- Joshua Haberski has always been a joy to interview as well. Scott Pierce, the PCA. We, we did the um, first interview with Scott Pierce on online media. You remember 38. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, August twenty eighth, two thousand eighteen. We reached. You reached out to him and got him. Is what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, only a few months ago. Yeah, um, we. You know, I I struck up uh, a a uh, 
a relationship with uh, with Laura and at the time who was doing a lot of social media for the PCA at yep. the time or IPCPR at the time. And, and uh, you know, she's like, what can I do to help? And I was like, I'd like an interview with the exec, the new executive director, please. <laughs> Thinking I was going to get shot down and we got it and it was great. Um, another one that happened kind of like that too, just to shift gears a little bit. And I, I think this is, this was one of your biggest surprises and you were, you were all about it. Um, I remember too was, um, you know, over the years, we've built a really great relationship with Javi Carranza of Placencia. Oh yeah. I got, I got to know Javi and I was like, he, I was like, yeah, I'd like to get you on a show. And he's like, well, you know, what would do you like Nestor? And I was like, yeah, sure. Like, yes. <laughs> And then all of a sudden he calls me and says, hey, what dates do you want? Well, it was even and, more, can you do this date? Yeah, I, can you do this date? It was like it was like the next week. And I was like, yeah. you want me to? And I like called you and I was like, you want me to tell him? No, like we can only use like, no, tell him yes. Like, like Special edition 17, uh, uh, December 12th, 2017. Yeah, Nestron Placencia, man. And was, we had to do that a on a very quick, yeah. Uh, we didn't have a lot of time with him. But, you know, again, we got time with him. Um, he, uh, yeah, that was a – and you, we've done several interviews with him at every trade show. He has always given this team time, as busy yes. as they are in that booth. We have never been turned down. Um, it's it's always been a joy uh, to go there. Um, I, I just remember when I went up at the 2017 show, and I was, like, intimidated, right? I'm, I'm going to ask for time with him. And I did an audio interview with him, which is actually on the uh, it's on the Podbean. You could see that as well. Um, and uh, I was like, "Wow!" And he knew who I was, which I was surprised about. He knew a lot about me too. So here's a guy I didn't know how much he knew about me. He knew about me. Um, another sort of the show that started with a little bit of it didn't go exactly as planned so you wouldn't call it a disaster but it ended up being one of the most organic beautiful things that we've ever done coop was i had this idea and i i have a lot of ideas um i was before i go into this coop i, I was actually watching this video uh, earlier today and it's an interview with matt damon and ben affleck and they were talking matt damon was talking about i said it's one of the most profound things that um that Ben has ever told him. And it was Ben Affleck said to him one time when they were collaborating, they were writing Goodwill hunting together. And apparently they were, they were bickering about something in particular in the script. And, and Ben just kind of goes to him and says, Matt, listen, don't judge me on my shitty ideas. Judge me by my good ones. Um, I've had, a, I've thrown a lot of ideas your way over the years. Uh, some of them have been bad. <laughs> no, they have. Well, there was one, but that wasn't your fault. There were there were circumstances that were happening behind the scenes that we didn't know about with getting that panel together. I know which one you're talking about. So that wasn't your fault. So, but the but the idea that we got that I put forth was how about like it was it was very detailed and very nuanced and elaborate, right? It was like I want I want second generation cigar makers, um specifically from one from each of the major manufacturing countries. So one from Honduras, one from Nicaragua and one from Dominican, Dominican Republic. And I was like, these are the guys I want. I want Juan Martinez of Hoya de Nicaragua. I want George Rico of Gran Habano. And I want Klaus Kellner of at the time Davidoff. And um, yeah, that, so, and we were set to do it. 
like it was all set. It was really great. And then unfortunately, and thank thankfully he's okay now too. But Juan went to the hospital that that morning. Uh, Juan Martinez went to the hospital that morning and and couldn't obviously couldn't do the show. Uh, and but what at what transpired was, you know, Klaus and George coming onto the show who had never met. And some of the most open and honest and organic dialogue that we've ever had on the show. And it was just, it, you know, we were interviewing Coop, but at the same time, I think you and I were also both watching and yeah. be like, like a members of the audience. It was, it was, it was incredible. Special edition 97, April 13th, 2021. If you notice that George Rico's re- released a cigar with Davidoff, I'm just going to say those guys didn't know each other that night. So there was a friendship formed is what I'm saying. That show, it was because mm-hmm. of that show. I mean, what happened afterwards, I can't say in terms of how it developed, but obviously they didn't know each other at all. And, and mm-hmm. you know, now George ended up having a cigar. Klaus is not with Davidoff anymore, so I want to be sensitive to that. But at the time, he, uh, he was a cons- I think at that point he was already a consultant with Davidoff, I think. I think it was like, that that had just happened. Yeah, that just happened. He had went to the consul, but because remember was, he, he remember we had we he, like he he pulled us aside prior to it and said, "Hey, yeah, I got to tell you this. There's you some, know, there's, some ch- there's some technical changes you need yeah. to be aware of. Yeah. You know, let's be clear on some yeah. of these things." And, yeah, which I was glad he did was, actually. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was fine, and then ended up it was one that, of the that show. I, I got to agree. If you have to say a magical show, um, to watch that organically blossom and these guys connect uh at so many levels um on that show it was to me uh yeah i i went there i said this is this is gold i said this this has to be i mean that that has to be a mount rushmore show in my opinion if you know and i hate saying because all of our shows you know like i said they all have a special but you gotta yeah if you go back watch special edition 90 said by the way you could access all the shows on cigar coop if you go to the primetime menu go to the archive section it has access to every show. I have to update a couple more uh, on the list, but mo- you'll get most of the shows there. Yeah, it's it's Coop six years has been. It's gone by really fast. It, it has. We, we've we've had. I, I want to take a moment before we talk about any more shows. Like I want to talk. I want to talk about our audience. Um who's just been, we've had some incredible loyal listeners and audience members over the years. So much. And, you know, um, I mean, just like tonight, like I, I see names in the chat, like Jay Davis has been a huge supporter of our shows, you know, all of our shows, everyone's shows, yeah. not just the, yeah. not just the cigar coop family. Um, he, I mean, cigar dojo. How about that scar? He, he's an incredible, uh, supporter of cigar media and 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 uh, I mean it's tireless what he does man and and, and you know he ne- he almost never misses he's usually the first one in it Sean you know Sean Miles another guy Mitch, Mitch. you know who's a younger guy and he's he's been around for a long Mike Doss has been li- yeah. listen I mean like I'm just looking at art yeah. the chat just yeah. for tonight and I'm I will always miss people will always miss people but like it, it's 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 so humbling. Yeah every week to see some of the same cast of characters come yeah. in, comment, yeah. ask questions, engaged and be engaged. And 
even some of the silent ones because you know like aaron nielsen's probably listening right now he hardly he, ever comments he's very quiet yeah that's i mean he commented but, on a jukebox show is how i met him because mm-hmm. we were doing we were doing rock and roll hall of fame <laughs> well no i think we were talking about it on special edition he was tuned in the special edition and somehow we talked no, about no it. it was jukebox no it was jukebox, it was jukebox. yeah you were you were right the first time mm-hmm. okay yeah because he was talking about how He's like, yeah, my my dad's my dad's a member of the Rock and Roll of Fame, and you're like, who's your dad? And, and, and uh, now it's kind of funny. That's kind of secondary with Aaron. He he's a, like a legitimate like cigar guy. I mean, we just the messages we get every day, uh, you know, dialed is becoming a part of our, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, vocabulary. Um, but yeah, yeah, you're you're right. Uh, there are and there's some people who may, may see sometimes and they're not here. Um, we've, I know Barry, you reached out to one person in particular and there was an issue going on, not, you know, that he couldn't tune in and it wasn't that he was, uh, you know, and I, you know, we were worried about that. You know, we had a, we had one person. So, um, and I'm, you know, grateful for that. You know, he's going to be okay, but yeah. Um, yeah, we've had a, we've had a few, you know, you know, some, you know, and there's been regulars that have come and gone, you know, that we don't see as often, you know, like, uh, you know, he's, he's really involved with Dojo now. Um, and he's got his own career and path in cigar media, but you know, Randy Griggs for years was, was a huge supporter of our show. He's still, and, and, he still is. And, still, and still is. I don't want to make it sound like he's not, yeah. he's very busy. Yeah. He, uh, with his own, so. yeah, no, he is. Um, agree. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Um, he, like he preps very well, you know, I remember on some stuff that I did when I was on a couple of the Dojo shows, he was watching stuff. Um. Yeah. No, definitely our audience is, and then you look. I'll, I'll just say these sponsors. Okay, every one of these sponsors has has contributed to the to the health of this show and this brand. So we thank everybody. And it's a past and present. If I list them, it will be too much. But I'll say go to the Cigar Coop webpage. You know, you can see who they are, or listen to the ads that we've done tonight for the ones that don't have most of my banners, but. Yeah, we are grateful for that. And then there's another layer, Bear. They're not sponsors, but they're but they're partners of ours. And they support the show in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm you know, very grateful for that. So uh yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah, and, and we have a lot of cigar industry people that tune in. Michael Herklotz was tuned in earlier tonight when we were interviewing Hendrick Kellner Jr. and you know, he pops in from time to time. Yeah, Nick very Bur- good. He's, Bur- another, he's a guy, great example of someone who supported us and not a sponsor. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Nick, Nick Perdomo. Oh, Nick. Juan, Can- Juan, Juan Cancel. Yep. Um, you know, a Nick's lot a sponsor, of sponsor. Juan isn't, but yes, but both have supported us. Yeah. Um, I, Juan, every, can you come on? Yes. I mean, it's, it's that's mm-hmm. any. Uh, yeah. When do you need me? Yeah. He doesn't. And there's a lot of people it. like that. Yeah. There's a lot of people like that. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people. I mean, there, you want to talk about a pinch hit. So, you know, I think this one is one that we should talk about. 95, uh, March 9th, 2021, we have Liana Fuente scheduled for the show. Um, oh, yes. The greatest so, pinch, hit, pinch hit in history, man. Yeah, so um, let me kind of set the table with this. Let me go back to Special Edition 90. She was supposed to be on Special Edition 90 on December 15, 2020, and her grandfather was sick. So um, we rescheduled. Carlito and Jose come in 
as pinch hitters that night, which we think is the greatest pinch hit ever. Like they, they said, no, we're coming on. We, we said, don't worry about it. Gary and I can do something else. Tonight. No, we're coming on. But then it happened again on uh, Special Season 95, March 9th. But it, was, but it was more tragic because her grandfather passed that day, like hours before the show. So, of course, you know, you know, that's, you know, the show is not important. And we get another pinch hit. We get a trio that night of Carlito, Cynthia, and Jose. Yeah. You talk about, again, someone who is, uh, again, provided they did not have to do that. No, they did. And when we finally did, and when we finally did have Liana on, I mean, that was an incredible, what is an incredible show that was. She was, yep. Oh, man. Yeah, we, uh, 102 was the, uh, June 15th, 2021. Liana comes on. Um, we came out at like, uh, we didn't know much about Liana. We knew Liana, but we didn't, but we really got to know her that night. And, and I said, Pam, what a show this was. I just got, yeah. It was great. Yeah. And she, be, she really became a good friend of the show, too. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, you know, Carlito tunes in quite a bit, Cynthia tunes in quite a bit. Um, like, you know, I, 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 I really hesitate to list a lot of these people because I, you know, you, you always miss, you always miss somebody, we're, unfortunately. And it's, it's, we've just, we were, it's, Go back to my words a sec, few seconds ago. Like it, it, it's very, it's just very humbling to see like the the things that we talk about have an impact and an entertainment value that people tune into every week. And and uh, um, you know, we provide, you know, we provide a service, Coop. You know, like and and uh, you know, we provide worthwhile content that is, you know, you know, we don't have the we don't have the the flashiest show. We don't have a lot of fancy graphics and theme music and stuff. And there's a place for that. And the, the people that have that, that's great. They have we great, may have that someday. I, you know, it's, there's, it's like, there's great productions out there that, yeah. you know, you know, uh, yeah. Like you said, I would love to have one day and, 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 and that's great that they do. And, and, uh, you know, good for them, you know, good for them with no, no sense, you know, all, with all sincerity, like it's, it's great. What, We've seen some of our counterparts do with their production value and oh, everything. Yeah, yeah. But despite not having some of that flashy stuff, you know, we still have a terrific audience and we provide some great content. We have some great interviews and um and it's it, it it's 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 still so humbling for people to recognize that and to tune in and stuff. It's really it's really great. You know, when I left Stogie Geeks at the end of 2016, beginning of 2017. Um, and then I was gonna form the new show, which was which was prime time, and then you know obviously this formed. Um, I was like, the biggest thing I had a concern with was getting a production value in because we had really good production at Stogie Geeks, um, but it was very costly. And I started socializing this concept. But this is before I met you, and Aaron was about to come on board. And I started socializing a concept of, you know, do I what do I need with this? And I surveyed a few people. And all of them came back and said, don't worry about that piece. Get good content, like, and, you know, bring, take it to the next level from Stogie Geeks, right, in terms of the content. And that's what I focused on after that. I said, this is going to be, you know, a show. It's an industry-specific show. This is more of a news magazine-y type of thing. We have some overlap. I think we've, we've uh uh, I think we keep the lanes pretty good with that. You know, occasionally we'll do a concept thing on primetime and we do some interviews on this, but I think it's worked. I think this thing has, has absolutely worked. Aaron and I said from day one, 
we wanted to do the type of show that we would want to listen to. And I think you and I have done the same thing. And uh, we've put our own spin into things with this. You know, we've put we've added in, you know, baseball shows, election shows. Um, we, we've put in some segments in here. The break. Indy car racing, Indy car racing. Yep. Um, can't forget that. Um, you know, we put in these other segments, um, the history segment, you know, uh, because they're an extension, I think, of what we do. And, you know, Abe was Abe was Abe gave me a lot of good advice. Uh, Abe Dababna. Well, he said, look, he understood what I was doing with the cigar piece. Right. He said, but you have to sometimes break it up a bit. You just got to, you know, take, you know, and we've added these segments in and, and people like them. Uh, we get a lot of feedback on them. And uh, we'll continue to do those. I mean, that's uh, that's part of the uh, fiber of the show. You know, I think putting now a, a sports history segment in every week, we try not to lose the audience pretty quick because we know some people aren't into sports. But it's a short thing we do with that. You know, mm-hmm. um, the great think, things are happening here has been so much fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Raphael Nadal, he's been a huge. Uh, we, you know, he's bought into what we've done. Um, oh, by the way, the, the we have not gotten rid of the contest. There's just a few things we've had to change with some of the folks we're dealing with at Alternates, but we're going to have contests. They have not gone away. Um, right. You know, so those contests are continuing, just so people know that. Um, but there's a new person in the role, so we, we had it, you know, we wanted to give it a little time with that. Um, so, yeah, we'll work, we'll work through that right now. So, um, not, not to not to backtrack too much on, but just to thank a couple more sponsors, Coop. Yeah. We, because we, it's, it's, I think, I think it's, I think it's, like you said, I know I know you didn't want to exhaust the list or anything like that, but I think there's two that we have to mention, uh, just because of the relationships that they've built and everything. One of them is right behind me, which is Alec Bradley, which is now part of, which is now part of Forged, you know, STG yep. and yep. everything. And, uh, um, you know, it was it was really a relationship that stemmed from the boys that allowed us to get the opportunity to interview Alan who has such an incredible story to share and so much in so much and, and, and so much and such a multifaceted story that yeah. like we've been able to interview him several times. I've had him on my show twice. We've had him on here a couple of times and we've been able to cover a lot of different things yeah. with people that are like that. Um, the other one and two, and you know, just, just thank it. You know, we were talking about content that we've been able to put out a lot of the coverage that we've been able to provide is an all thanks to these sponsors. And like you said, they're available on Coop. Please check them out and, and, and give, you know, buy their cigars, man, because they're the ones that make, if you like, if you're a fan of our show, they make the show possible. Um, and, but, you know, Drew Estate has been a terrific partner of ours. They, they came um, over from Stogie Geeks. Yeah. And what they've been able to do, um, you know, they've, they've been, they've been, uh, they've been our, our chance despite not being attend you know not attending they they they've anchored and and covered our our they've they've been our title sponsor for for uh for uh trade show coverage you know yep, yep. So. um no i agree um on that you know again we mentioned nick perdomo um and perdomo cigars they've been with us almost i think we're almost on um i want to say three years four years four years i think we're on four years with them right now um, and, uh, I could check that right now, but yeah, I mean, anything we've asked from Perdomo, um, they've always been there for us. Um, I can tell you that Nick's been there personally for me, um, uh, which is something that, um, um, not taken for granted. Yeah. Nick's been around, well, he's coming on four years right now. 
Um, wow. So they've been a big part of what we're doing. JRE Tobacco. Um, they have been there from Stogie Geeks. And of course, I, I, I'd be remiss. I know we don't, they're not sponsoring this show, but they do sponsor the other, uh, the primetime show, Saga. Mm-hmm. They're coming on our, they're on our 10th year with us right now. 10 years. I mean, that is a long commitment to make. Mm-hmm. That's a decade. Like, we're going to be 10 years with them next year. Like, we're gonna, when we finish up that, we, that, you know, I say, you know, that's why I say, hey, when we're at the trade show, we spend time with Saga. First of all, there, there's always great coverage and content there. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, they, they have been the, they have been there. They're the oldest sponsor in there. Um, so I can't be remiss. Not, and they, they're always a sponsor of our trade show coverage as well. Um, they've been an incredible, you know, again, a decade we're talking about, you know, and we've tried to build long-term sponsorships, whether it's here or the primetime show or, or El Oso, Fumar, you know, we, we, that's what we've tried to do here. And and these folks have been there. Cattle Baron Cigars has been there in the other one too. Um, yeah. So I forgot uh, along the Brian that, that, that he's been with you. That's crazy. Yep. Espinosa just came on board this year. You know, Eric, we thank Eric for that. You know, we worked to kind of do something a little unique with them and, uh, Pete Johnson's come on board with us. You know, he's sponsoring uh, the uh, Tatawai Studios on uh, the Smoking Syndicate. You know, the, we we don't take this for granted. Um, and some sponsors who go, we have great relationships with them going forward. You know, we had Aganorsa for a while, and Aganorsa, you know, they they didn't continue it, but but we still, you know, they're still very. Terrence is always there for us. So um, yeah. you know, we understand that sponsorships aren't infinite either. Yeah, so, uh, J.C. Newman, yeah. Uh, JR Cigars. I mean, I'm just, you know, you, you mentioned Alec Bradley too. Um, they've been great partners with us. Uh, I don't know what the future will hold with Alec Bradley, but I, I, I'm not, we'll see. I think, I don't think it's hopeless. I think, you know, I think we may, may have some things, you know, they have their sponsorship till the end of the year. So, um, we'll see. Well, if we keep making fun of Justin, it's either going to go really well for us or really bad. I gave us. Justin a free segment on, uh, KMA. The uh, STG release of the week. There you go. Justin, we need a release this week, by the way, because we're trying to keep the streak. At, it's nine weeks in a row, by the way. Nice. <laughs> uh, going back to a couple of shows, Coop, just, yep. just wanted to talk yep, to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like you said, the, this the show was, was created in mind for more news, magazine-y yep. styles. And we've had some great thematic shows. The Mount Rushmore yep. shows have been so much fun. Mapping to the presidents, yep. my loves, of course, it's been great. Um, I've really enjoyed need, um, yep. the aging experiment that we've done over the years. Yep, we uh, we're in our fifth one already, fifth year doing that. Yeah. Um, wanted to ask you this, Coop. So, like, I, I don't ask for like favorites and stuff like that, and maybe we've already covered it, but like you, you talked about the magic show with. George and, and Klaus and everything, but like, what, what was the, what was the show for you that was like the most surprising? Like, do you like that you, that you can, if, if one comes to mind, like it, you were just really surprised how it went, not that you were expecting it to go bad and it went well, but you know, just how it may have gone differently than, than you probably envisioned it at first. I have a couple, right? But I think the one that's the most recent was 127 on September 13th, 
the sample show we did with Seth. Oh, that was I, fun. I did, but we got a reaction for that. It was huge. Uh, and I'm still getting messages on that show to this day. <laughs> um, to me, that was one that was, yeah, I just, that was a very interesting topic we did. And I just, it really clicked in, uh, with people. It's not sometimes downloads. Downloads are important, and the numbers were good downloads we had with that. But when I look at the feedback we get, right, that's when I know we click something, when people are talking about it with me. And then the other one, Baird, and this was a, this is one that, it is one of our most downloaded shows, right? And it is, it is a topic that is as vanilla a topic. It doesn't sound sexy, right? But we've gotten, it's one of the most downloaded shows we've gotten. And it's a conceptual show. It's 111. And it's the one we did on Everyday Smokes and, and Humidor Staples back in December mm. 19. That show that is just fun. continuing to get downloads. And it's a vanilla show, but I think it was a show that was so many people were interested in what we had to say with that show that night. Um, yeah. I've gotten some comments, but a lot of downloads on that, too, where I'm like, that was a surprise. I didn't see that show doing that. I think it's the most downloaded conceptual show we have. Oh, wow. I think it's the most downloaded one. I'm, 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 I'm positive it is. I'm positive it is. That one. Was that one, of, was, that one of, was that one of my stupid ideas, too? Um, it was your idea. It wasn't a stupid idea because we, we went with it. Um, I, I like I said, it was a vanilla idea because it wasn't a sexy idea, right? Yeah, it wasn't like you know, samples were a little more sexy. We did, uh, you know, we did the uh power rankings, that's a little more, but but this was a, a very vanilla show. everyday smokes and humid or staples. Like, eh, is anyone really like interested in that? And uh, oh, oh, and this one. Um, I would be this one. I this one I didn't expect the reaction from February nineteenth, nineteen uh, tw- February nineteenth, two thousand nineteen. The Midas Touch Show. Yes. And when we got destroyed by the crowd because we 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 said we're taking soccer and Malo out of the equation. Yeah. And we didn't take them out of the equation. We just we gave them. The Midas touch thing. We we get we get we gave them the crown. We gave them we the gave, crown. We gave them the crown. Yeah, and and we got destroyed on that. Remember, like people, mm-hmm. are like how can you do this to soccer? Like you know, <laughs> I think that was worth. I think that was worth like a week's worth of posts from Steve. Oh my goodness! Yeah, who's also been a great partner and sponsor for oh, a long I, time. I too, so thank, thank you, Steve. Yeah, he does. Uh, he does the Thursday show, but but he also does. Um, he also does, he's a sponsor of the Coop website and, and a huge spot. And he came over from Stogie Geeks too. So we're on seven years with Steve. So again, these are long relationships we have. Like he may not have an ad on this, on the primetime special edition show, but a big part of what we do at Cigar Coop is, is Steve. And another guy, when he's available, he comes on. Takes care, takes yeah, care of me. Yeah, he, so. he definitely does. Um, um yep. Yeah. No, I, there's a there's a couple uh more that I've really enjoyed. I've I I think that um I think one of the most surprising shows that I think went as well as it did, and I know you were really nervous about it. Um I know you were nervous about it. You've talked about how nervous you were about yeah. it. Um and that was uh but it was something we wanted to do. Right. Um 
and the only thing unfortunately todd nafee couldn't join us but that was our presidential election night coverage man and that that was just so much fun uh again you know smoking cigars and watching watching uh watching our fellow citizens as i like to call it overthrow the government yeah. <laughs> uh by casting a vote man and and uh and 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 seeing in real time like how you know and and being able to talk about you know how our country was responding um you know in in various ways to 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 different things going on you know it in the heart of the pan in the heart of the pandemic and everything it was just so so unique um and I, I know you were nervous about it, man, but I, I think it was, I think it was great. I think it was a crazy success. It, it, it so well, we've fun. done it. Every, we're doing it every year now. We do it. Every, we do an election night show every year now because it's a Tuesday show. So as long as you're able to do it, uh, I think we're going to continue. I mean, I think we'll do one this year and I'm sure we're going to do one with the next election. And we've only, because I was worried about, you know, obviously politics is a very dicey area. It's a <laughs> polarizing area. And I was very worried. And we've only had one incident and that was last year where, where someone almost got banned from the show, and if and if another if another uh, audience member didn't come to that person's rescue, uh, they would have been banned. You know, because we've said this is not a place to put your you know leave your politics at the door is what you said. Yeah, and, we look at it from we look at it from a very you know yeah, yeah but bipartisan that, yeah. perspective, and and, yeah. and I think that's the way to do it. You know, yeah. like you know. You know, say what you say what you want, Coop, but I and like and look, we're we're not. I mean, and and yeah, in a way, we are. We're not. We're not professional political journalists, but we're professional journalists. Um, we're at least semi-professional journalists, and I think we delivered a bipartisan show and 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 perspective on you know, you know, obviously one of the most divisive elections in our lifetime. You know, yeah, and. You know, we did it without we did it without our personal politics or anyone else's personal politics getting into the mix. And I thought right. that was I thought it was I thought it was sensational. And, um, you know, in 2024, we you know, next year we need to make we need to make sure we're going to quarantine Todd Nafee. So, he yeah, so get sick. yeah, because so, Todd Nafee got the concept from him. He was Todd his Nafee. idea. Yeah. And, and yeah, yeah. I feel terrible. Yeah. Hasn't been able he, to join. You know that the 2021 show was the most downloaded, though. Of the election shows. I don't know why. I think it was maybe I, I still can't figure that one out. Why it was so downloaded. But that was the uh that was the Bobby Valentine show too. When Bobby Valentine oh, lost <laughs> and then I think it was uh Bobby Not Valentine and, and, and Curtis Lee couldn't get any votes in New York that day. It was like it was interesting. Even though it was an off year election, it was very interesting, I thought that night. Uh you know, so and I think last year one we just did with the whole uh, midterm election was a was a very good one too. Yeah. So we've done this every year. It's going to be this year will be an off year election, but I think we are going to do it. I think we still do it. Yeah, uh, there's some there's some interesting people coming yeah, up just for re-elections. race and stuff. Yeah, but I think you know it's we'll do it. It's a, it's it's something that this show will always do, as long as we're available to do it. So, um, what about? What about our interview in the Dominican Republic with Hendrick's uh, father, Hanky and Klaus and Eladio Diaz? Yeah, uh, that was the only remote. Well, we did that was I should say we did a couple. We recorded that one, though. Um, 
and I was the very only, it's the only not it was the only non live show we've ever done. Yeah, it was the only uh, live show we ever done. Uh, we did that at Camp David, and you gotta if there's a moment, right? I don't know if there's another video with Hanky Kellner and Eladio Diaz on the same interview. I don't think there's another one out there. So it was gold. Yeah, it was gold. I mean, to get those two. Um, to get them on camera that night, uh, or that after we recorded in the afternoon, mm-hmm. um, because we were worried about the internet connect. We were debating going live with it, but it, we were worried about the connection. Um, but well, we- when I stood next to the router with my phone and I couldn't get, I couldn't get any bars on the Wi-Fi. That we was knew a we're, done deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we said we we couldn't do it, but they they were in fairness. Uh, we were doing with Alberto, who who um, had told us ahead of time it might not work for you guys live. They he was so we knew it, there was a possibility we were gonna have to tape that one. Yeah, um, that was way back twenty one. We did that one. Well, and Alberto says, "Hey, by the way, you're gonna have an interpreter." Which we're like, "Okay, that totally makes sense. Fantastic." And we find out it's cost the, inter- the interpreter is Klaus Peter Kellner. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, we've had uh, we've had a lot of Kellners on. Um, so I think the only I'd love to get Monica on maybe at some point too, um, but yeah, it's because she's I've I've talked to Monica um, at trade shows and uh, at the farm, uh, and she's incredible. She's got a lot of knowledge, um, you know. So yeah, that was a big moment there. That was a big moment, and it's one I'm really proud of because I don't think anyone else has done that. Like get those two on the camera, and that was probably there was there's not going to be another time for that. Is what I'll just say. It, or if it is, it's gonna be very hard. So I think we have something very unique in our archives with that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, we definitely uh, have some good ones with that. Um, and how can we forget Bear the baseball shows? Twice a year we do a baseball show. We've got some incredible partners for our panel. You know, Aaron comes over from Prime Time. Um. Yep. I I think as much as uh, as much as I'm impressed and love um, everybody's dedication to the greatest sport ever that's on the show. I Aaron is is the person I look forward to hearing from the most, just because he has such a different perspective that I disagree with quite a bit on. But it's ref, it's refreshing in so in so many ways and and he offers just he offers a really cool perspective rob also being able to join us a few times you know he actually works for a major league team yeah and that's that's so cool like he's he's seen live so many great players great plays great moments world series ring he's got world series ring he has a world series ring that's pretty awesome series ring and we have him on yeah and then, you know, Hector and Miguel have such such passion for the game um, and their historical knowledge and appreciation for baseball, I, I, you know, I think, you know, rivals our own in such a special way. And then last few years, you know, with Ben joining our team, having Ben come on has just very, been... You know, very deep knowledge, Ben, baseball-wise. Mm-hmm. Really... I mean, it made sense to have him when he joined the team. We we kind of drafted him, and I think he had to miss one show because he was uh, studying for exams. Uh, mm-hmm. It was the only reason. But 
But yeah, I mean, these guys have always. If if someone has had to miss a show, that it's it's because they had to miss a show. Um, so I mean, it's been. I think uh, you know, we we don't take that for granted. I know you know we get like every year people look forward to those shows. So it's not like they don't get views or anything. We don't get a dip. Uh, we may get a different audience that night. But mm-hmm. a, a very, you know, as long as you guys want to do that show, we'll do it. You know, twice a year, before the season, after the season, um, and we'll do that. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a part of the fiber of this, of this, of this show. I have a little league teammate that I played baseball with as a kid who tunes into that show every year. That's amazing. I have, I have two high school classmates that tune in. My it's the my brother and I smoke cigars together, but he, you know, he's not really into this. Yeah, but he tunes into that show. Um, he's still waiting for us to do an NFL draft show. I tell I tell him I I so, throw him over to Hector all the Hector, time. Hector didn't do it. So there is talk there, just so you know. And I have to get Dave on this. Dave wants to bring the NFL show to uh, jukebox this year. So the I, the question is is going to be Dave's schedule, I, which is he's got a really busy schedule. So, but he has expressed an interest in doing a a, a preview show like we've done. He wants to do a sports show, and uh, I said if we can get folks who want to do it for the NFL. I know Aaron won't do NFL, but he's welcome. Um, but yeah, we're talking about doing an NFL. We do the Super Bowl show here, right? Which is the big game, for, the big game yeah, show, the big game. The big game show, excuse me, correct me on that. But we Dave wants to do the NFL preview show, and I think we've done some NFL music shows, right? So I think we're going to try to make that happen this year. So uh, so stay tuned on that. If we can make it happen, we're going to try to. Now, I'm not promising the audience that, but it's been discussed. That's, you know, that's another, there, there's a lot of people you mentioned how, like, Juan, you know, all we have to do is. I tell you again, um, Nick Nick's done it a few times for us too. I mean, and then mm-hmm. one time he had a switch, and we switched Arthur in, and he did the next week. It was like, yeah, you know. So uh, it, you know, people, Arthur Kemper interview was great too. Oh, that was a great interview. Uh, just a yeah, um, yeah, that was a good one. Oh, how can we fit the? Yeah, there's just so many. I mean, we just we just yeah, there's 140 previous shows. We and then tonight I was just like I said, blown away by 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 uh. Hendrick, it just really yeah. was um, to learn about that factory. And, and I, I got to be honest, Hendrick, I didn't know as much about his class and Hanky, right? So I kind of had to just put some pieces together tonight and, and see what I, you know. But it, it turned out I learned a lot tonight. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to the next six coup. The next I hope six. You are. The next six years. Oh yeah, absolutely. This is a. You know, like I said, uh, to have this, to have our team together as long as we did, I do appreciate it. Um, you know, so I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Uh, and you know, like I said, this show is 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 a you know, it's a team effort, and um, I think we, we've. Uh, I'm very happy of what we've accomplished and built here. So uh, we're not going anywhere. So all right. Um, I think we're probably at the end of the everyone's rope here because we're getting late here. Um, by the way, just a couple of notes. Um, the Phillies, uh, I don't even know what to say. Yeah, the Red eight, Sox won a really great game today. Seventy-six. It's not in last place anymore. You know that, right? You know it was in last. Yeah, the Yankees. It won't be like that for long, but I'll take no, it. I'm, t- I'm telling you. By the way, the Phillies. The, the you want you know what the Phillies score is. I don't have it in front of me. The Phillies have one run. 
The Dodgers have 13. I was in. I was at the uh, Globe Life Park here in uh, Arlington, here in Texas, on Sunday with my boys, and I got to witness the shellacking of the New York Yankees, which was beautiful. It was fifteen to two, Texas Rangers over the Yankees. That was fucking awesome. Two grand slams hit in the game. That was awesome. Loved it. I'd be worried if I'm a, the problem is, and we I said this at the the Yankees did nothing to change the fiber of that team. And I hear the Yan- well, got you got the same guy. You got Stanton hurt again, right? You, you, you spent the money on Judge, and I understand you had to spend the money on Judge. Judge goes down. Now they got, I mean, the Yankees are, they needed to kind of shake. That team needed a, a shake up, and they didn't do it. They're going to be battling for last place. or four, I think they'll be battling for third or fourth place, I'll be honest with you. But, yeah. Yeah. I so, say they still finish above the Red Sox, so. Well, I'm not saying they won't, right? I'm just saying. I think there's. I think. I think Tampa Bay. We all said was for real. That we all were high on Tampa. Except Bay. for Ben. Ben said that team's not for real, and I was like, "You're crazy, man." Yeah, I think he's. I think he's. Yeah. Um. I think uh, Baltimore is b- going to be improved. Uh. They have Baltimore's the young talent on Baltimore is something to really watch. Sick. So. Yeah. So, but yeah, we have that. Um. As far as that goes, so uh, yeah, we just kind of uh, we'll kind of uh, but yeah, we'll end that. Um. So, um, we'll as far as future show uh, sc- show schedule, um, this week we have uh, Thursday primetime two sixty six. Mo Malley of Patina will be on this week. We had to switch him uh, from last week, and um, we'll have the next special edition. Stay tuned on when that's going to be. And I think Bear, we have a roundtable next week. Yes, I think, Wednesday. I think yeah. Wednesday. I think we're going to be doing the Macanudo Flint Knoll. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have that, and I think we're going to have one with Fred Rui. We have to schedule that uh, as well mm-hmm. uh, before it gets too hot out and no one can smoke outside. So, But Bear, as we, you know, as we kind of close out the six-year show, a, there's another milestone happening. I don't know if you've announced the, mi- the, the details of it, but you have a milestone, I'll just say. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I, I didn't. Uh, I'll go ahead and announce it because we finally firmed up the day. It was a chance between doing it this week on the seventh or on the fourteenth. It is going to be on the fourteenth. So okay, so you're going to have a week off this week. Yeah, there won't be a show this week, so we'll be doing the 250th take on May 14th. Uh, yes, it's Mother's Day, um, but a beautiful way to celebrate that. Uh, with just one of the classiest individuals in this industry uh just this i've said this before about him he has this uncanny way of of making you feel like you know he you know if you're at a 400 person event he'll make you feel like he came all the way to see you it's just awesome great uh but manola casada of casada cigars will be my guest for my 250th take Big show, yep. So you want to tune in for that. And uh, so, yeah, great job with that. So that's a big milestone you have coming up. Uh, there's not a lot of shows that have made it to 20 shows, you know. So um, a, a little, a little, I'll, I'll mention something. So if we, were, if we were to add up Primetime, Special Edition, and Jukebox, last week, um, when Aaron and I did 265, it was actually the 500th show between the three of those. 
news. Now, the, the thing is, it probably happened earlier because I haven't counted the roundtable shows, and I should. So it actually happened earlier. So we're over 500 is what I'm saying. Wow. So that's a testament to this team. Again, 500 shows. Awesome. So, all right. Bear, anything else before we wrap up? Coop, thank you for everything. Thank um, you as well. Thank you as well. Um, actually, yes. Um, I, I do this, I think, every year, but um, I, I do want to end the show on this. Um, Coop, you took a you took a chance, a flyer on me. Um, we had instant chemistry on that show that I guest hosted on, and I think you saw something in me. Um, I don't know what it was, and I don't know why. Um, but you recognize something in me and, and, and what started off as a partnership has become one of the dearest friendships that I've ever had in my life. I consider you a brother. Um, and I know I can come to you with anything outside of the show, inside of the show. Uh, I'm always treated with respect and I, would not have 250 shows. I would not have the opportunity to interview people like Manola Casada if it weren't for you. And I know I, I, I thank Lito Gomez for getting me into this business. Um, I wouldn't be smoking cigars without him, but I would not be sitting here across from you for 141 of these and 250 LLs Fumar takes if it weren't for your continuous and constant support guidance, advice, and um, friendship. And I thank you just does not say it nearly what I want to say, but thank you for everything. Oh, I should be thanking you, but thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. I should really be thanking you. Um, Yeah, no, I, it's been a mutual. I mean, like I said, we would not be able to accomplish a lot of the things we've accomplished without you and look what we've been able to do with the trade show the last couple of years has been a, a team effort by everybody don't get me wrong so you're part of that team effort and like the cover we, we we've just we've just last year i thought was like great for us so um you know and especially i want to thank aaron and ben equally on that but you know you you've been a part of that because everyone has these roles and everyone's been great you know i don't i'm gonna end this on my end there you know, when I was pre before I came to this show, I was kind of accused of not being a team player. Um, I think six years with two co-hosts, and almost four years with another, and almost two years with you know this with you know uh, Nielsen and Ben. Uh, I think I just speak for. I mean, hopefully, I've been a team player. Is what I'm gonna say. But, <laughs> yeah, but I was accused of not being a team. I think, player. I think you yeah. prove. I think you prove those yeah, nice yeah, things. I think we have one. You have. I mean, that's yeah. So, well, I mean, I'm just grateful and uh you know on that so thank you guys yep you're welcome all right that appreciate it. but thank you bear and thanks to our audience you know as well we thank you guys but want to thank you guys again the guys who hung in there the guys who are tuning in on uh on um you know replay and oh bear always says this i'm gonna remember to say thank you know if you're on youtube or apple Podcasts, like and subscribe to us uh unsubscribe you can unsubscribe but then resubscribe to us so we get you know more credit better numbers yeah better yeah. numbers yep so, so i did that i'm gonna start doing that more so uh but that's gonna wrap up prime time special edition 141 into the annals of history 
for Tuesday, May 2nd, now Wednesday, May 3rd on the East Coast. We'll catch everybody next time. Take care, everybody. We'll see you next time. Here's the six more. This is six more.